Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. I'm Grace. And this week we were supposed to be talking about Rian Johnson's Star Wars The Last Jedi because Darren had estimated that there's no way in living hell a Star Wars movie could fail to make the 250 on its opening weekend because even the prequels and Rogue One were on the list at some stage or another. But that doesn't seem to have happened. So, very obligingly, uh, we're going to take a step back. We're going to talk about The Force Awakens. What about the Star Wars Christmas special? That wasn't That's a theatrical. That's not on the list? No, that surprisingly not. the conversation. No, it didn't, it didn't make it, unfortunately. Also, The very Clone sad. Wars um, CGI animated film from 2008 also didn't make the list, surprisingly. Ah. Yeah. A lot you know, of people like that. Yeah, they also yeah, like... people love The Clone Wars. Yeah. I feel like I've met an awful lot of people who are huge fans of it and really annoyed about the fact it's no longer, I think, recognized canon. as canon. Yeah, canon. yeah I, me- I remember um, a, a, fr- a friend in London um, talking about how they were really annoyed at, um, was it attack- was the second prequel, Attack of the Clones? It was yeah. indeed. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, uh, General Grievous is supposed to be this badass, <laughs> and they made him seem like um, this kind of arch figure. And... Um, yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it was really frustrating. For, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like, how far normally... are they going to get calling a villain General Grievous, though? It's like, that, is that a bit on the nose? Well, as opposed to, like, Emperor Palpatine or, like, the rogue trader who is by himself and you can tell because his name is Han Solo. And yet, or... Grievous is still just <laughs> so... egregious, I would say. Like, the family who tread the stars who are called Skywalker. Original yeah. Star Killer. Yeah, the, the, uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a negative connotation, I think. I think Don't you just love Star Wars? So it's so <laughs> stupid. It's Ste- wonderful. Stephen Colbert, yeah, he, he did did a kind of a small sketch. It wasn't great. With with with, with well, it was okay. With um, with Mark Hamill, and he was like uh, Skywalker. Uh, I've got Star Killer here. Skywalker. What sort of name is, is Skywalker? And he was saying, "Well, what about these other names on the list? Count Dooku? Is that even um, <laughs> like General Grievous?" Jar Jar Binks? No, that's definitely wrong. <laughs> well, Jar Jar Binks has other problems beyond his name. Yeah. Now that we his can... name is probably the least oh, like, offensive aspect about of him. Because that uh, sounds perfectly neutral and inoffensive. It's like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, fine. It's like R two D two C three PO. It has that sort of like same like letter number cadence to it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so. Star Wars The Last Jedi didn't make the list. Um, so what we did was we already invited Grace on and we had already cleared the schedule for it. So we thought what we might do is we might take the opportunity to talk about J.J. Um, Abrams' The Force Awakens, which was released in 2015 before we began podcasting, before we began recording, um, and which sort of kicked off this... Go ahead. Many parsecs ago. Yes, 12 parsecs. It was at least a whole 12 parsecs ago. It's neither, neither a short time nor a long time. <laughs> it's a what unit of distance. Um, one of the things I do like about The Last Jedi, not to turn this into a referendum on The Last Jedi, is they actually use parsec correctly. Um, <laughs> it's a small detail, but it goes a long way. Um, still people weren't happy. <laughs> what do you Star Wars fans want? No, The Last Jedi has some serious problems, but we're not going to talk about that until we do talk about that. And but, you should probably all be great you're going to be spared such an epic rant um, and instead you're going to get a glowing review of the force awakens and everyone likes positivity at this time of year but um well okay with that in mind we may recommend that maybe it may be a good thing if you've seen the last jedi just in case it comes into or out of conversation at certain points mm-hmm. so we're not going to make any promises that we won't reference it but i'm going to talk about uh, the force awakens as if the last yeah. jedi didn't exist so um 
That's me. I'm not going to be talking about it. Uh, I will right refer then. to the sequel to The Force Awakens that we're still in, in, waiting on. In that ter- in those absolutely terms. absolutely hasn't come out. And, and and I'll try to keep any any negativity that I might feel for 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 The Force Awakens um, somewhat muted. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, Darren I, is sitting precisely between Andrew and Grace for the purposes of this podcast. <laughs> Once well, again, I know if 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 I if I had had a. Um, if 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 it was the morning after a wedding for me, I I, I, I would appreciate somebody not uh, not kind of laying into trampling all over yeah. your, your positivity. Yeah, it's like when when we did well. It's not that this will probably cause offense, but I I, I, I don't mean it in that way. But I I was going to say it's like when we did Man of Steel and Batman v Superman um, with Graham with Graham. I and didn't I didn't want to space. I didn't want to ob- ob- no we didn't. Ob- Obsess, we, uh, we did it. We did acknowledge the film's flaws. We said it would take a minute. It took fifteen, but we did it. Uh, it was like pulling off a band aid. I felt really mean about that, to be honest. Yeah, I did a little bit. I know. I, yeah, I, I've, I've, I, and I listened. I listened as well to um, the episode of of Speaking Geek, um, as well where, on Justice League. On Justice League, yeah, and I felt really, really sorry for. Them. <laughs> Yeah, I went on. I went on Speaking Geek, and I, I talked candidly about Justice League. But we're not here to do that today. Uh, what we're talking about here is The Force Awakens, which was released in two thousand and fifteen. It was the first in the sequel trilogy to the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, the first produced by Disney after a purchase Lucasfilm, um, and basically an attempt to capitalize on the investment. It's interesting in many ways because its context when it arrived was the first Star Wars film to be released in more than a decade since Revenge of the Sith, barring the release of the Clone Wars, which was a TV series which was adapted for film in CGI. Um, However, since then, it is also the basis of a Disney multimedia sort of push of Star Wars that has involved the release of a new Star Wars film every December from now until the end of time. So it's an interesting film to evaluate in that context in terms of it existing as a, like something that was like a big bang that made a huge cultural impression. I remember being in the cinema watching like the screening of the force awakens for the first time and it being a phenomenal almost revelatory experience and sort of coming back to it now in the context of everything's happened since is kind of interesting for me but um i'm looking forward to next christmas where we have the lando calrissian um hip-hop musical with uh, childish gambino <laughs> I'm actually almost looking forward to that now. <laughs> I'm like, we didn't get a Star Wars film this Christmas, so I'm like, next year is going to be great. Really? Ron Howard's Han Solo. I love Shush. Ron Howard. Can I love... possibly be worse I than want to. Ra- I, I adore Ron Howard, but like Ron Howard at the last minute coming into... Anyway, this is not the Han Solo podcast. Yeah. Or is it? Um, but Grace... It's no exaggeration to say that... Um... That the last Jedi was like a bereavement, and um, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Weddings some of the and comments bereavement? online? Yeah, this, but we're not here to talk about that until we talk about that. That's not but, how I feel. But I just you, find that hilarious. Andrew hasn't actually seen the last Jedi. To be not, clear, no. uh, we were planning on going to see it last night, but we decided that we would instead watch the Seven Percent Solution, which is good because I have some Freud stuff I want to talk about when we talk about this. Interesting. But anyway, Grace, when we mentioned, well, first of all. We invited you here because we presumed that The Last Jedi would make the list. And one of the reasons why we did is because you were such a big fan of The Force Awakens. In fact, you are... I kind of want to cry now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go on. Darren, stop. (laughs) Stop being mean. Um, I was so young. I was such a sweet summer child. So, can I ask, first of all... Yes. 
is the La- is is the Force Awakens your favorite Star Wars film? Probably, to be honest, because I, I I do love the original trilogy. Although I don't know if this is a controversial thing to say, my my favorite of the original trilogy is Return of the Jedi, which I think a lot of people kind of give me weird looks over. Um, but um, the thing that I loved about the Force Awakens was that it felt like it felt like a new ver like it was recognizably Star Wars, but it felt like something that had been adapted for a modern and more aware era, if you know what I mean. In that um, culturally, it was a lot more rich. It had a, a very diverse and inclusive cast. I thought the 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 subtext to all of it was really powerful and important. And in that sense, it made it a more meaningful Star Wars experience for me, even though I loved the original three. Um, and I do quite like Revenge of the Sith, I suppose. I, I don't want to write the prequels off entirely. Um, but yeah, for those reasons, The Force Awakens probably would be my favourite, just because it, it brought me a certain level of, of joy that the previous three hadn't. All right, so, Grace, you are, you are a big fan of The Force Awakens. Andrew. Yes. How are your feelings on The Force Awakens? I quite like The Force Awakens. I, 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 I suppose I, I had problems with it that weren't too major. I I don't I wouldn't understand the ad, adulation that that's that's afforded to it. I I actually quite like uh, Rogue One. Um, we we did we did we did Rogue One. I, actually, I I think Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. I, I I think a lot of people have different opinions about about where they rank the Star Wars movies. I think the most popular number one choice is the Empire Strikes Back. And I think mo- most people's least favorite is either the Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the 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 the, the prequels aren't great. Re- 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 something of the Sith. The Revenge Sith. of the Sith. <laughs> Revenge <laughs> of the Sith. Yeah, yeah. It's coming across that like I, it's an inversion of Return of the Jedi. Right. Because originally the original title of Return of the Jedi was Revenge of the Jedi. Okay. And it was pointed out that revenge is not a very Jedi thing to do. Ah. <laughs> I, I don't actually care particularly about Star Wars. I just know stuff about movies. Don't well, that's good. That. Yeah, they, I'm, I was surprised actually while watching this that there was stuff that I knew about Star Wars that Darren didn't. I feel like I know a lot about Star Wars because like I've I've seen every movie except for the Last Jedi, but I was familiar with the with the genre of music known as jizz. Um, the, <laughs> Darren for I a moment was a weird look. Yeah, I was like, whoa. What? But no, it's, it's not even like you said that music. It's a joke. It's not even like you said that music is jizz. We were sitting there watching a scene in, in The Force Awakens without getting too spoilery. Probably just said jizz out loud. Yeah, in which the characters walk into into a room and there's some music playing. But I didn't know that Andrew was referring to the music and there's a lot of CGI on screen. And Andrew goes, that's jizz, isn't it? <laughs> And hold on, hold on, I'll just wipe what, what that off. What are you seeing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what? I'm not aware I didn't know quite how to react to that. I was like, He's looking ref- around the couch. Like, yeah. Sorry. Listen, um, not on the black leather, Andrew. No, um, the, the, um, it's Figrin, Figrin Dan and the modal nodes are the and, uh, most famous. They play in Moss Eisley Cantina. Uh, there's also the Max Rebo band. Oh, okay. Or, so it's actually an in-universe thing, is jizz. Yeah, okay. yeah. And there's lots of subgenres. There's oh. whale jizz. Of course, and, there are. Yeah. Um, or is it jizz whale? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but um, yeah, there's lots. 
Um, there's just so much whale juice is what I'm getting from this. Yeah, it's kind of, you know that kind of music that's like... Oh, you mean the only song that So when you say there are so many subgenres, the only reference point we have is that one song. There's probably a lot of non-canonical references. Like, I don't know how you get that across in a Han Solo chronicle. Where it's like... And it's like, there was this band playing and there were a jizz band. And yeah, it's, it's, and, and, and no, nobody in the editing department at Lucasfilm said nope. And their name was the the, the Jizz Whalers, which I think is another name of a jizz band. And um, are you just like? I feel like we're I, taking I, a turn away from yeah, the topic I, I here. Yeah, I feel like we should. I feel like we should probably <laughs> fact check alarming. this on like the Lucasfilm <laughs> website. Maybe. Yeah. But you know that, that, w- that Wikipedia. That, yeah, well, that's it exactly. But you know that um, the music was actually written by. Um, Lin Manuel um, Miranda. Like, yeah, Miranda. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and I think in and JJ Abrams did wrote it with him. Yeah, that, um, that's playing in. There's in a kind of there's part. a kind of a reggae um, little to it, is there? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah you are the expert in Star Wars music here, Andrew. <laughs> to be clear, um, but yeah. So in terms of you would so it's dancehall jazz. Dancehall jazz. Thank you, Andrew. So you wouldn't rank um, the Force Awakens as the best Star Wars film, or even like the. Where would you put it in your rankings, roughly, of the Star Wars films, having seen all of them bar The Last Jedi? Like, so where would this sort of fall for you? Um, so there's eight, right, uh, that, that I have seen. At this stage, yes, yes. eight, barring yeah, the holiday eight. special of Clone Wars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. So I, I'd probably put this, I'd probably put this number five. No, I'd probably, I, I might, I might, uh, is that unfair? No, I don't. If you're ranking all the original trilogy and Rogue One above it, then five seems yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. 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 Then and I, I, I probably put. Um, see, it, I, I, I quite like Return of the Jedi, and I, I, I um, and I, I, I quite like it. A, a New Hope because it's Alec Guinness. Quite like. Um, I love A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Empire is actually probably my least favorite of the original trilogy. Which is not to say I don't like it. It's just that I think I I watched the other two before I'd watched that one. And and I mean Empire is it, it's difficult not to like because there's so much Yoda in it. Um, <laughs> I feel like Yoda is a character who resonates with you, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I I would sort of I understand that. And I think it's interesting that you should say like you don't understand the immediate reaction to the Force Awakens that you didn't sort of get the the passion, the fever with which it was announced. Because I think when you're talking about the the Force Awakens, and we're probably going to talk about this when we get to the spoiler zone. Like, oh, I, I, I knew that people would get excited about it. No, no, but I, I think that, yeah. like, the reason and the scale of that enthusiasm was in some way, because you can't talk about The Force Awakens without talking about the prequels. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I feel like one of the issues with The Force Awakens, not maybe issues, but one of the, the sort of the critical context for it is, and there's a big discussion about whether or not it's, and we'll probably talk a bit more about this when we get to sports and whether or not it's a remake of A New Hope, basically, right. uh, with new characters. And to a certain extent it is, and to a certain extent it isn't, but it has a lot of the familiar elements, and it has a lot of the... Like, it borrows a lot of the, the sets and the plot devices. Like, the technology is explicitly exactly the same. There are still Star Destroyers. There's still a frickin' Death Star. There is the Empire's... You know, it's now called the First Order, but they're wearing the same uniforms. Mm-hmm. Stormtroopers are like stormtroopers. You know, it's... There's no sense that there's been any real change between the end of like Return of the Jedi and the start of this, I think, in terms of context, in terms of like what's actually happening in the Star Wars universe. And I think a large part of the context for that is a response to the prequels, because the prequels 
were different from the original trilogy. The prequels were strange, they looked different, they had a different texture, the technology was different, the storytelling <clears throat> was awful, but the storytelling was fundamentally different. The It was very much modelled, the original trilogy had been modelled on like 1930s sort of serials, the prequels were based on more 50s sort of stuff. Mm. And I feel like a lot of, first of all, the production context, but a lot of the response to The Force Awakens was sort of motivated in the idea that Star Wars had finally returned to the original trilogy. And there was this sort of yeah. elation at the fact that it had gone back to what fans know, knew and loved as opposed to what they hated and resented in the 90s mm. and into the turn of the millennium. I, I, I think it's well represented in um, Simon Pegg's um, comic book store employee um, character in Spaced um, shouting... Add add a child who who wants to buy like a Jar Jar Binks uh, toy and w- won't won't um won't let go of the pain that he feels <laughs> about Phantom Menace and and then him uh, uh, playing a character I guess we don't say who it is now because he's a very important character he's vitally important to the plot of this yeah, yeah the um so Simon Pegg's kind of redemption uh, yeah. is coming around and starring in, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's also, like, Simon Pegg's career is one big collection of in-jokes and references. The point yeah. where he had this big rant in space about how the, uh, was it the odd-numbered Star Trek films were just terrible, only to finally be cast in an odd-numbered Star Trek <laughs> film. Um, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so I I quite like the, the Force Awakens, personally. It would probably rank about third on my list. It may slip down to fourth in a bit of time. I'm not entirely sure. I liked it a lot then. It made my end-of-year top ten. In, in hindsight, I still like it. I think it's a fantastically constructed movie. I think it works very well. I think it's very well directed. I think it accomplishes a lot of what it sets out to do. But I also think it has a legacy that extends beyond the film itself. I'm not just talking in terms of the sequel, which shall not be named for the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> but I think it, it also reflects something about like modern pop culture, which is interesting and not entirely comfortable for me. Um, but we'll probably we'll talk about that when we get to the spoiler zone. I guess the question is, right, this movie... Before we do, um, so you, you you would put this number three, so ahead of The Phantom Menace. Yes, uh, controversially. <laughs> How um, dare you? But also ahead of, of Rogue One, um, The Return of the Jedi, uh, the prequel trilogy, and for the moment, The Last Jedi. Uh, w- without any jokes, it's it's um, Empire, Empire and, New, and Hope. New Hope. Okay. Yeah. I am. I am the. Even though I'm not a big Star Wars fan, I am the cliche Star Wars fan that you you talked about in the intro. Where I'm like, yep, Empire is not only the best Star Wars film; it's the only really classic Star Wars film. I would argue it's the only like like it's the only Star Wars film that I think has a legitimate shot of being considered a great film outside of its context. Um, I would argue, but you know, I'm I'm very conventional like that. I'm also a guy who likes The Godfather, so I'm not. You're not <laughs> coming to Darren looking for a hot take. You're coming to Darren looking for reassurance of of the establishment sitting on the fence, as I do. But I would put this maybe third behind A New Hope. Fourth and fifth will probably you're be a big big Irvin Kershner fan. <laughs> yes. How do how do you feel about RoboCop one versus two? Oh, I feel like this may be a contentious debate on the podcast, obligatory RoboCop debate. Um, no, no, no. No, I feel like the, the problems with RoboCop 2 had a minimum amount to do with Kirshner. Right. Uh, just so we're clear on this. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like the, the air has been cleared on here. Has it, Andrew? Yes. Yeah. Okay. For, for the purposes of this podcast, yes. <laughs> so when this was released, this came in at number 17 on the list. It's been sort of dropping ever since. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about it this weekend because... 
It's actually dropped uh, quite a bit, quite dramatically in the past week. It dropped five oh places today alone since last night when we said we we're doing this mm. to this morning when we're doing it. It dropped from 239 to 244. I suspect it may not be long for the list, uh, which is interesting because you can actually, one of the things about looking at the list is you can see the moment the pop culture conversation changes about a film. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, take the, I don't know if they're J.J. Abrams film, the Star Wars, Star Trek Into Darkness, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Which was released and it, it was, at, on release, it was very well received by audiences and by critics. Like, uh, the Irish Times, of all things, gave it five stars, which is something that I love. That's rough. That's rough. I love the film. Because Donald Clark hates everything. Donald Clark hates everything. I love the film. And I'm like, what? I know. I'm actually suspicious sometimes when he likes something. I'm like, what, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> and I, I talked to him recently about it. And he's like, yep, I still stand by that a little bit. Um, and I'm like, okay. Fair good enough. for you, Donald. Against the green. Like, I like it a lot. Uh, I think it's fun. I like it a lot more than I think either of the two people on this podcast do. I, well, I, I haven't I seen it. I mean, I, you haven't seen it to Darkness. I don't think so. Did Star Trek 09 hurt you? Have you, you that seen Wrath of Khan? I, yeah. oh. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't remember if I've seen Wrath of Khan. I feel like I wait. You, you have seen Wrath of Khan. It's a Nicholas Meyer one. Oh no, no. Sorry, sorry. Into I, Darkness. I, I, the the um, <laughs> which was the remake of Wrath of Khan? Into Darkness. Into Darkness. Into Darkness. Oh, yeah. maybe I have seen it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's it's there's a third one, isn't there? Yes, Beyond. Yeah. Beyond Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, that's the one I definitely haven't seen. But you could you could trace that came onto the list quite highly as well. And if you mm -hmm. look at the the records, you can actually see that it was like in august 2013 one month and 10 days after the film was released was the moment at which it plummeted from like 151 which is quite high on the list to be honest mm -hmm. like down 10 places a day 10 places the next day to, and off the list in the space of a week just plummeting Jesus. to earth and it's kind of it takes a lot happen. of organization <laughs> to to make that happen well not even I, I, i'm not going to insist that it's organization or like it's bots or anything like that i just find it fascinating that you can judge a cultural mood shifting like so precisely by looking yeah. at the list and i think it's kind of interesting to wonder like are we witnessing that happen with the force awakens as we're recording this now like yeah well like i i haven't seen the last jedi but i imagine um certain portions of people who who didn't who didn't like the um, Last Jedi, who are well represented on IMDb and um, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, um, might, might not like um, The Force Awakens for the same reasons. Yeah. And, but, Which but, is uh, ironic, really, because I would say The Last Jedi undoes a lot of what makes The Force Awakens great, so I would have thought the fan base would be all over it. But no! So, what do you people want? I just don't know. <laughs> I, I would argue the last Jedi tries to build on the Force Awakens, but lacks the courage to follow through. I th I, th I think I I imagine the, that the Force Awakens um, appeals to um, some of the fandom, but um, is is repulsive to people who <laughs> who who can't stand all of the what what was I saying. Um, or what do they say? Um, well, WSJ. SJW, isn't it? So SJW. Yeah, diversity, yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff. Wall uh, Street which, Journal is not what they were saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's people who like the Wall Street Journal who tend to have those SJWs, opinions. right. Um, yeah, there is. And it's, it's kind of interesting that that became part of the conversation around the film. But I mean, we'll probably talk about that in the spoiler zone because... This is one of the films, like, when it was released, there was very little released publicly about it. Like, um, and mm -hmm. because it's an Abrams film. Abrams is famously a director who favours the mystery box, for better mm -hmm. and for worse. I mm -hmm. would argue often for worse. Like, I think that, for example, 
we talked we've already talked about how Into Darkness is a remake of Wrath of Khan. Like one of the problems with the film, and I would argue probably one of the biggest problems with the film, is the fact that the entire cast and crew spent the entire publicity cycle saying, No, Khan is definitely not in this. Yeah. And then you you get about fifty. Literally minutes like in. two scenes in, he just yeah. goes, My name is Khan. And I remember seeing that with, with two friends of mine who are much more into Star Trek than I am, and one of them literally said out loud, Really? Like, like in the cinema, you could hear her over everyone. She was just like, Oh god. Okay. <laughs> this is happening. Um but he does and the in the release in the lead up to the release of the force awakens abrams mm-hmm. did something similar with this like so for example there were key aspects of characters like finn for example which like core to his character the very first scene in which he's introduced in the film was kept entirely out of publicity and entirely out of marketing mm-hmm. you had no context for him outside the fact he was a character in the film played by john Boyega. Mm-hmm. that sort of stuff or even kylo ren what kylo ren was who he was all that stuff was sort of concealed i, mean, well, I, I think people we... suspected about kylo ren a lot though in terms of of his 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 parentage, yeah. I think that that felt like the worst kept secret before it came out. <laughs> mm. I, I, how much are we talking about? <laughs> um, Let, I, let's actually jump into the spoilers on that. Yeah. So, Grace, it's been out for two years. We can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Grace, do you think it belongs beyond the 250? I was thinking about this actually before I came over, and I think I would argue yes, because I think this is probably a slightly uh, shaky rationale, but Star Wars as an entity being such a massively influential cultural property, it would be if it weren't anywhere in the list, not specifically The Force Awakens of Star Wars, specifically weren't anywhere in the list, um, it wouldn't reflect, I think, the the f- filmmaking status quo, at least not in the Western yeah. English-speaking world, because Star Wars has been so important and so influential, not just for fans, but for a lot of filmmakers, I think. And I would keep The Force Awakens specifically in there because, a little like what I said earlier, I think it, it represents so much of what makes Star Wars great, but it also makes it feel a lot more contemporary in my mind. So, you know, in, in addition to having the original trilogy, which are probably always going to be in there, I think it's nice to have that as also a representation of a, a how it can move forward, yeah. or how it could potentially move forward. Um, Andrew? Yeah. Like I like I like this movie fine. Um, I, I I wouldn't put it on 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 the list. I'd probably have less Star Wars movies on the list. Just in general. Yeah, I mean, but if if this was going to be one of the like three Star Wars movies on the list, uh, yeah. say that seems like enough. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> like we. Um, I feel if 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 there were if there were three good Godfather movies, would uh, they'd probably all be on the list? Yeah, well, I mean, um, two of the three dollars westerns are on there. All three of the original trilogy are on there. The There's three so Nolan Batman films are on there. For so example, are all three Lord of the Rings on there? Yes, they yeah. are, um, and they're very high. Very high. The, so 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 <laughs> sorry. So many Harry Potter response. movies on the list. I Only definitely... one of them is at the moment, but they all oh, really? came in. Yeah, they all came in on the list. Or most only of one of them is Deathly Hollows, I believe, is the only one on there. But we may consult what? about that's right? the one. Yeah, Deathly Hollows. Yeah, part two. Wait, that... Is, that, is that the last? one? That's the last one that isn't even a complete not... film in its own right. Let's not clear Prisoner of Azkaban, or... which is the best one, or even Goblet of Fire, which is quite enjoyable on its own terms. Yeah. No, it's it is uh, it is. It's uh, insane. It is completely insane, isn't it? Well, but yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't really judge that. Like, I mean, it's... I'm okay with. Being... Does, does Harry? Does that specific Harry Potter film have something in it that appeals to the 
shall we say, the core demographic who seem to disproportionately influence the top yeah, 250. Am, everyone gets to Because I, I wouldn't think of that <laughs> particular demographic as being particularly massive Harry Potter fans. So maybe the other films, if, if they're more well-received generally, don't yeah. do as much for them? Or is that very simplistic? I wonder, no, I, think, I think it is like a Return of the King at the Oscar mm-hmm. moment, except because the 250 is not the Oscars and is more nerdy. Um, I think marginally <laughs> only marginally um, I do think that there's an element of that like it's it's the culmination of the story it's like yeah. mm-hmm. we can only get one of the Harry Potter films on the list so which one do we go for we go the for that one because that's the one where the it all comes on together because there's no way when myself and Andrew land on that random number generator that we're only going to crank on part two right Andrew we're going to do all seven eight <laughs> Harry films? Potter movies yeah I think there's eight okay we're going to do all eight right Andrew Good luck now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I Aaron to... does not speak for Andrew in this. I must read the books also, though, surely. <laughs> yeah, um, so we yeah, have a I've heard they're good. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what? Well, I've never read them either. That makes me feel any better. <laughs> <laughs> they there, never appeal to me. There are, yeah, there is only one Harry Potter film on the list to confirm. Um, and, it's and it is the Deathly Hallows part, part two. two. Yeah, not even part one. My goodness, sorry. I, I I know that was a bit of a tangent, but that that does really <laughs> surprise me. Um, but but the point is, it's okay for movies to be on the list that aren't that aren't my cup of tea. And also, I'm fine with watching this movie. I was fine yeah. with watching it a second time. I'm not I'm not mad about it. I I, I there there's other Star Wars movies I prefer, and there's certainly other movies, movies that I prefer to, to Star Wars. I I I think I I. Um, I get some of why people like this. Something occurred to me during the movie that 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 about. yeah that that made me think. Oh, this is a mm, movie where uh, yeah where, um, or a uh, 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 movie. Um, <laughs> the, the, that that, that, that is ominous. Just to be clear, that, that those are blank noises Andrew's making. They are, it's it's yeah. not as if he was watching The Force Awakens and having the realization that he was watching a film. Yeah, this is a. Movie, Darren. You said we were watching TV. The, the um, you lied to me. What is this? Twin Peaks: The Return. Like there, there's something that this movie reminded me of when I was watching it that made a lot of sense and will will make make it helps Star Wars make more sense to me and will probably annoy. Um, oh yes, Star Wars fans. That that. Um, oh God, I'm but, kind of looking forward to this now. Yeah. Well, no, maybe it won't. Like, like, like the. I don't know. They're an easily annoyed bunch. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. are. Oh, right. oh, well, <laughs> like, this weekend has proven. Nothing. There's so many of them that 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 like. It turns out a lot. A lot of them are exactly the same for some reason. <laughs> but but but, but, but also the they're quite they a wide. Clone they're army. quite a wide parish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A wide parish. But anyway, so yeah, I would sort of, I would sit between the two of you on this point, mm. as ever, Darren Fence-Sitter Mooney. Um, yeah. The reasonable measured. Exactly. This is what I was on about earlier. This, this is a man who likes both Pepsi and Coke. Just to be clear on this. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm monster. I keeps both in his fridge. I would argue, like, does it, does it need to be on the list? No, it, no, nece- no, I don't think it necessarily does. But I would argue that Empire is the only Star Wars film that probably really belongs on a list of, of great films. But, on the other hand, if you have to have a second Star Wars film on there, I'd actually put this ahead of New Hope, even though I like A New Hope more, because I think yeah. this is a, an important or a relatively important film culturally, significantly, and in terms of like the direction and the way in which we make films. Because I think Grace was pointing out, like Star Wars is a cultural institution, and it is a monolithic entity. Like, it's an entity that sort of stands astride pop culture, and I think that you, need, you do need to recognise that on some level. I think the fact that this is the highest-grossing movie of all time, possibly... Um, and it had the highest opening weekend of any any movie of all time. It just has this huge. What, sorry, what movie? This one. 
This one, Force this Awakens. Force Awakens. Okay. It's not the highest grossing movie of all time, is it? Is it? I believe it might be, but we'll double check that now. No, I don't think anything is unseated. Well, hold God on. Help help us, wait, wait, wait. Avatar. Adjusted okay. for inflation. I was going to say, yeah. not adjusted for inflation before you get in there for the right. Gone with the Wind, by the way. The, um, but I do believe, uh, we'll double check now. Um, to the I, fact machine. If ever you needed an illustration of how box office receipts don't reflect, I think a film's cultural legacy... Just look at Avatar. <laughs> Nuts, isn't it? I still haven't seen it. I think it's up it. there, but I don't, I, I don't think it's top. It's like, you haven't uh, seen Avatar? Yeah, like I've said before, a few can... people must have seen it twice. Okay. Because I think it's I like all, the, all those 3D tickets, I think, pushed up the receipts. And we're back from the fact machine with an answer <laughs> that will please absolutely everybody in this conversation. For Grace, the highest grossing film of all time adjusted for inflation is Gone with the Wind. For Andrew, the highest grossing film worldwide of all time is Avatar. And for Darren, the highest grossing film domestically of all times is The Force Awakens. At the US box office. At the US box right. office. And that is the only box office that counts, let's be honest here. Obviously. But no, I, I, I do think, though, that Star Wars as a cultural institution is important. And I think that The Force Awakens is important as part of that in terms of how it sort of signals the direction of the franchise in terms of how it signals if you're going to do a Star Wars film the way to do it in some respects in particularly the idea that you don't need to focus on boring like white farm people in order to tell these sorts of stories uh, moisture farmers we have left <laughs> the American Midwest yeah we yeah that's it exactly and I think the, the, yeah. the film is commendable on that basis alone mm-hmm. and deserves yeah. recognition on that basis alone yeah and I, I I think I think part of why I didn't like the movie is I thought it was a little bit vanilla but it's it's probably makes sense for it to be like that um if it's going to be the kind of jumping off point no not to make it like because i feel like rogue one was was uh, personally i feel like it was a kind of a weird and interesting movie and and that it was dark in ways that star wars doesn't tend to yeah for its first uh, i I, I would have liked rogue one a lot more if they had let it go in the clearly much darker direction it was originally intended to go because whenever they started tinkering around with the narrative and the rewrites and the reshoots, like yeah. that's what messed it up, I yeah. felt. Mm. The, the ending in that, particular, that where the you actually have to have a Star being Wars. Wars cut out, which hey. was terrible. Yeah. But, yeah. I like the gar- I like the characters. They have no depth whatsoever. We've been over this. Hold on. We Teef Gooby, the best Star Wars <laughs> character of all time. In the history of yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, who's that? It's, uh, you don't know Wee Teeth It's Warwick Davis's. Um, he appears uh, for thirty seconds in the middle of the ambush at the at the Jedi at the sort of former Jedi Temple. Andrew, we we both fixated on the character. We spent, I think, a good twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, trying to figure out who he was and what his deal was. It I, was I would not give up. No. Is this in Rogue One? It's in Rogue One. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> He's clutching a sniper I, I rifle, saw, yeah, that's a, seething with anger. Yeah, and you want to know what his backstory is. Rage. Like you look, you look at the character. His whole family were stepped on. Yeah, and you, you want you want to know where he's coming from and where he's going. Um, I also quite like the Ben Mendelsohn character, but we're not going to get into. Oh that. yeah, no, he's fantastic. That, that's a rant and a half for yeah. me. It's like your worst boss ever as a Star Wars villain. But it, but it's not. That's the problem. Like I love Ben Mendelsohn. I will watch him in anything, and I cannot forgive anyone wasting him in so egregious a manner as Rogue One waste Ben Mendelsohn he had more impact in his like four scenes in The Dark Knight Rises than he does in the entirety of Rogue One that's just because The Dark Knight Rises is a better film but anyway (laughs) sorry that's a different debate debate I'm trying to kick off so with that in mind then we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone spoiler zone now, Andrew, I'm very interested to hear what kind of film you thought this was. 
But I would think we'll stick with the format here and we'll go Grace. I've got food in my mouth. Okay. Go with Andrew first. Okay. Oh no! <laughs> Andrew. To the munch zone. Yeah. What kind <laughs> of film do you think The Force Awakens is? It's a Power Rangers movie. <laughs> the, 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 because Power Rangers was something that, 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 that was very enjoyable for, for, um, for, for, for kids and extremely popular. I and, loved Power Rangers. Yeah, exactly. I did though, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I actually in in enjoyed it as well at the time. It's 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 it, and, and this 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 is like a much better uh, Power Rangers because the music is is great. The special effects are are, are amazing. Some of the, the the actors that they have in it are, are, Can are, act. are, are, are yeah are, 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 are terrific. They're, they got a budget. There isn't as much great martial arts because, but but that's a lot, a lot because you've established in the first movie that the, the people who are meant to be good at fighting aren't that great at fighting. So you have to stay within. You have to work within those confines. Yeah, and they go outside that sometimes. And but it's, in, in it, like Rogue One, for example, like yeah, Donnie yeah. Yen's character, but. I want, and, like, and, and you have um, enough about how it's not a Power Rangers movie. I want to get back to the point here <laughs> and ask: How is it a Power Rangers movie? Because it, it's 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 this kind of fantasy do, do, doesn't make perfect sense. The villains are are villains, and the and the good people are good people, and 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 it's 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 definitely designed for kids. It's it's not too kind of deep in terms of. The things it wants to discuss, but can like I, I believe with the new Power Rangers movies, I haven't seen them, but they they've introduced more diversity now, um, which has got uh, kind of people talking about that and probably hugely angry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think anyone is as invested in Power Rangers, Rangers as, as they are? No, no, I don't think I don't think there are. But but that's what kind of that's what it kind of reminded me of. And um, w- while while I was watching the movie, and it 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 seemed to kind of click with me. I don't know if I'm. Uh, going to be um, so, that great yet at actually articulating what I mean. Is this mean the, by what it. you meant earlier when you said it's a blank blank movie? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. So we're clear. It, it wasn't. There was in a second category. It's mm-hmm. a both a Power Rangers movie and an Uncle Scrooge adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a question, though, right? Right. I don't know if I'll be able to answer, but it, 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 <laughs> as, as a lack of authority on both Star something Wars, that just seems intuitively Rangers. to make sense to me. Yeah. Does that go mean ahead. every Star Wars movie is a Power Rangers movie? Because no, the, the character I don't think Rogue listed, One is. Okay. Um, I, I think the, the prequels aren't oh. um, uh, but um, yeah I, I, I think a lot, a lot, like if it, that's the way that's the way it kind of feels um, oh. to me and, 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 and I know that like it's, it's obviously very different but I was like oh this this is almost kind of in the same category because I kind of grew up watching Star Trek and think about well, this. <laughs> this somewhere else again. And this is the, de- That's the second. This is definitely not Star Trek. Although, like the, I suppose the J.J. Abrams uh, movies kind of. Um, oh, here we go. Well, yeah, it it, it 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 becomes more like a Star Wars movie. Yes. Well, Abr- Abrams with, famously with, with, said he wasn't a, he wasn't a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Um, I like Abrams as a director actually a great deal. Yeah. And I know that I like the Abrams Star Trek movies a bit more than you do. And when we say a bit, I mean... Like a lot more. Yes, there we go. Just, I was being polite. (laughs) I do. I I really like the Abrams Star Trek movies too. But I feel like I should disclaim that by saying I wasn't massively into Star Trek before 
and only really took more of an active interest in it after I saw them. Which is the exact so. purpose of a Star Trek movie. Thank mm. you very much. Yeah, which is which 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 is great. It's 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 it. I don't know. I feel like uh, people who discover Star Trek with the Abrams movie will will, um, will go back um, and watch Star Trek and be disappointed that it's not the thing they. Um, uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, well, no? I, I've watched some of the originals now, and I really like them. Oh, I mean, the same yeah. the same logic applies to. And the I'm next really enjoying the next generation. Are you still watching it? Yeah. Where are you now, Jim? I'm asking. I'm still like 16 episodes in, or something. Have in you the hit first season, one yet? What happens in it? Planet of the Women. No. Oh, you are in for a treat in inverted oh, commas. Riker. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, Riker is in that. But you um, know what's cute about The Next Generation is that even when, it, you know, there have been some episodes which have been wildly offensive and yet it's so, like, <laughs> so no, the like, you know, the... One, the one where they go to the planet of the African Yes, people. that's, that's the one um, I was thinking of specifically. Like, but, um, like, it's so quaint, you know, it's like, it, it feels like it's much older than it actually is. Yeah. Is this really, like, benevolent take on, but it's a benevolently yeah. awful take. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, this is like how is this is still relatively recent in yeah, pop culture yeah yeah it, it, but it feels like something that would have been made in the 40s yeah i think that the actors on star trek the next generation have talked about this and they said that they're really glad they got all the racism out in their second episode <laughs> and they're really glad that they got all the sexism out or most of the sexism out in their like 18th episode um they feel like that was a good decision to make going forward it's like a purging experience. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the argument is, though, if you watch that same argument about the Abrams Star Trek, um, and it, it applies to franchises in general, because let's face it, we're talking about The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens is a franchise film. It exists as part of a broader legacy. Like, I think that part of the conversation we're going to have is going to be about, like, franchises and legacy and, and fandom mm-hmm. and, and memory and stuff like that. Mm. I feel like even though, like, the Abrams films, the Abrams Star Trek films may be different than the other films in the franchise and the other television shows... They still encourage people to go back and look. And the same thing is true with The Next Generation. The Next Generation was radically different from the original series, uh, particularly in its third season. Once it reinvented itself in its third season, it became a completely different animal. Deep Space Nine was radically different from The Next Generation, for example. But like, what you have is when people discover that, they go back and they look and they explore. Like, I never would have watched the original Star Trek films if I hadn't have watched The Next Generation. And then I watch the films. Yeah. And, and the films are different from the TV show as well. And you go back, and even though they're different, and even though they're different in scale, like, for example, the, the Star Trek films, even the Kirk films, even the Sir mm. Shatner films, have more action in them than the TV series could possibly afford, because famously it took three months to render a shot of a Klingon ship firing a torpedo at the Enterprise in mm. a, in a land of choice. Whereas in feature films, you have the budget and the time to do that. Mm-hmm. But, like, they look and feel radically different. And I think that's grand. I think that's great. And I think, like... To bring it back to The Force Awakens, one of the great things about The Force Awakens is that you have this capacity to welcome fans who maybe wouldn't have felt included both in the prequel trilogy and in the original trilogy, if we're being honest. So, yeah. um, and, and like Oscar Isaac, who, who is in the film, has talked about like one of the things that he really liked about the role was that the three characters, okay, and I, I don't think it's entirely true in all three cases, but we'll, we'll talk about the one exception in a moment. But in the case of the lead characters, these are characters who would be in the background of any other Star Wars film. So now that we're in the spoiler zone, we can say Finn is a former stormtrooper. We can say that Poe is not like a chosen one or a military general. He's just a really good pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are characters who, like, that would be Wedge Antilles in the original Star Wars trilogy, for example. Yeah. Finn would be anonymous guy who Luke mugs to get the stormtrooper uniform <laughs> that makes him look short. Probably gets knocked over by Chewbacca or yeah, something. Yeah, or something like yeah. that. And it, it's kind of, it's good to have that. And also just in terms of, like, 
it's a franchise that's led by Rey, who is a obviously a woman. You have Poe, who is Guatemalan, and you have Finn, who is black. And you don't have a white heroic character. The only the strongest new white character is Adam Driver's Kylo Ren. And I feel like that's something that's very important and very key mm-hmm. to the film in many ways, shapes, or forms. Yeah, and 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 I can kind of I can understand some of the defensiveness from 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 people. I I, I can't endorse it, but this this it's the same way they feel about the 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 franchise that is so beloved to them is 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 the is the way they feel about about their their um very kind of um exclusive um identity as as a white male mm-hmm. you know yeah. that and it, 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 they they feel kind of threatened and that's that seems to come across in a lot of the in a lot of the paragraphs that start with I have no problem with with female but centric. With um, yeah. I'm, I'm not a sexist. I'm yeah. not a racist. Yeah, yeah I'm not I'm a Guatemalan. But, yeah. but um, within limits, people. Yeah. yeah. As in no equality at all. Yeah. <laughs> the the no no equality, but just white people ahead of everybody else. Yeah. 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 All right, give us some. <laughs> like every other we've franchise never had so, yeah. something before yeah. I mean like there'll only be 50 other blockbusters released this year with white male protagonists in it. somebody please think of the white males like, yeah. like a, a diabetic and, and they, they, they need like just a little small amount of, 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 of this like Cinematic white insulin to, yeah. Yeah. to keep them going it's like yeah without this I mean we only have Batman, Superman Iron Man Captain America, the Mission Impossible film, the James Bond franchise, the King Arthur reboot. Um, I'm going to keep going for another 20 minutes, but at the end of it, go, you ask, is that Star really Trek enough? Actually, yeah, Star Trek, actually. Yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. And then you at the end, you ask, well, is that really enough? I mean, is that a fair share for... I just don't think they feel <laughs> adequately represented yeah. in this um, array of entirely different... Despite characters. the fact that they're going to be a statistical minority in the States by 2040 as well. Like. Mm. The, the, Finally, some good news. The, <laughs> the, the, the upsetting thing as well was how white the original uh, trilogy was. Because yeah. C-3PO... Yes. Extremely white. <laughs> oh, C-3PO is quite possibly the whitest character mm. in it. Absolutely. But um, even then, like, you can tell when you're watching Empire that, like, somebody who had watched the original Star Wars had gone, uh, we may need to talk about the fact that everybody in space is white. And they're yeah. like, okay, you can get Billy D. Williams and that's it. It's that's like, your quota. Yeah, that's your quota. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Can he dress in like purple and look like you know, sort of like the stereotypical depiction of like a you know, sort of an R and B sort of jazz sensation? Yeah, like sashaying down the street. (laughs) Yeah, with a with a fro. Yeah, Uh, and a cape, a Mm -hmm. purple cape. Exactly. But um, I do. That that was that that was a a very important character. Oh, he was like I love Lando. I think Lando's amazing. I think Lando's probably one of my favorite characters in the original trilogy, if only because he's the only character who feels like a real person. Yeah, like he feels. He does like, stuff that you think like a normal person would do in that situation. Yeah, but like he's the only one who's really allowed to be flawed, particularly after the edit of say the the shot of Greedo from the A New Hope, <laughs> mm-hmm. like where like Han Solo is no longer a murderer or whatever. So it's like Lando Calrissian is the only core character in the Star Wars franchise who is a little dodgy, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe like he's the only character who has like ambiguity, and you can understand why he makes the decisions that he does, which makes it all yeah. the more compelling. Like. 
<laughs> what is it Kylo, Kylo Ren says the, the share lyric there's a bit where he has in, in uh, The Force Awakens where he's captured uh, Rey and he's talking about her friends and associates like murderers <laughs> scum and thieves and it's murderers, like murderers scum and thieves yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just have this image of Kylo Ren sitting down staring at his Darth Vader helmet listening to share oh tracks yeah. yeah no he has he has <laughs> headphones in the yeah. helmet that's why he doesn't respond when Hux calls him. Come, like that's how he screens out Hux. Can we talk about <laughs> the, the the whatever hair product um, oh, Kylo yeah. Ren is using that he puts on the helmet and, and then takes off the helmet and his hair there's returns to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like at the very end, Luke has the same thing with like his hood hair. He whips the the hood off and he looks fabulous. Yeah. I think that's like really what they're like teaching at Jedi school. Like, has, yeah. has, your first has lesson when you get to the Jedi yeah. Island. You're <laughs> to do your hair. Yeah. It's like the Force can do many things. It can also make you look fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why Ren sort of is so concentrated and so intense because he's constantly using the force to keep his hair in perfect condition. Yeah, yeah. I mean you would feel that. <laughs> he's just on a knife edge. Yeah. The, the point when he s- stops the, uh, <laughs> the laser, the blaster laser blast, yeah. his hair goes all over the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> gotta fix this. Um, but anyway, so now that that we sort of we talked about like. The Force Awakens as a sort of, as a as, as a Power, Power Rangers, Rangers movie, movie, which is an interesting take. I'm not going to say it's a hot or a wrong take, but yeah, it's an interesting I, I, take. I, I, it's it's I not invalid. I, to no, be it's fair. Not like you see where you're coming. And from. I, I would argue, though, that like that criticism, of, not criticism, that observation applies as much to the rest of the Star Wars films, with the exception of Rogue One. And I think maybe the last, the film, the Last Jedi is trying to be without legislating too much on that at the moment. But I, I do think that it's a quintessential sort Haven't of Star it. Wars. Yeah, I do think it's a quintessential sort of Star Wars thing. The thing you talked about there. Yeah, I I, I love the it, it's it's like it's it's um there's something very kind of um, I don't know if meta is the right word, but the the Star Wars has become this f- huge um, cultural phenomenon where you have things like. Um, robot chicken or, or family guy who've like made all of the jokes about it and the really satisfying thing com- coming from that place was seeing Finn's introduction where, where there's a whole lot of stormtroopers are running in shooting up the place and then you just see this one stormtrooper get killed and and and, and this kind of this weird moment it yeah. felt like something out of like american dad where where it's like on what, taking what it must a, be like to be a stormtrooper yeah. like, absolutely like what was it like to witness the destruction of alderaan and the death of god knows how many yeah. billions of people and thinking, but isn't that one of the things that the force awakens does well yes. is that it gives you that absolutely. perspective of, of the stock characters from yeah. the earlier movie which which is why i like rogue one so much be, 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 because it was like taking it away from like princesses and lords yeah. and emperors here, and all of this kind of people had to blow up for, for this, to, for this yeah. to happen like yeah here's a question though right and this mm-hmm. is something that I sort of I wrestle with a bit when I first saw The Force Awakens I find myself thinking about it a little bit more every time I watch it right which is okay the prequels came up with the idea that stormtroopers are clones and, and mm-hmm. it did that for a number of reasons one of the reasons I suspect it did it was because you need to not feel bad when your heroes gun down dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of stormtroopers. So if they're clones who have been bred specifically for the purpose, that's still sad, but it's not as sad as, oh my God, well, he went to Stormtrooper Academy, he's got parents, he's got a family. You know, it, that's kind of... Whereas with The Force Awakens, when you focus on Finn 
And it happens really quickly. It happens, like, astonishingly quickly. Like, so Finn, like, has been trained with these stormtroopers. And there's a moment when... It's a great shot. Like, and Abrams doesn't get enough credit as a director. We'll probably talk about Abrams as a director later there's on. There's so but, many beautiful shots in the But there's the wonderful Abrams. shot of the bloody mm-hmm. hand, like, on the on the face of, of the stormtrooper. And it, it's very practical because it allows you to follow Finn later on yeah. in the scene. But it just looks great because it's three red stripes on a white surface, on a white plastic laminated surface. And it just Mm -hmm. looks very powerful. But like Finn has watched his best friend who is, or has watched another stormtrooper die. And you're to infer that there's an emotional attachment there. And it's not just Finn reacting going, oh my God, I could die. And this is horrifying to me. This is like, oh my God, death in general and destruction in Mm -hmm. general is horrifying, right? Then he breaks Poe out of prison. And he immediately mans the cannon and starts shooting randomly at other stormtroopers, who you presume have a similar arc to him, that they've been they've been born, taken away from their families, mm-hmm. and brainwashed. I do find that... Yeah, that's, bit... that's actually a bit interesting. I do because find... I was going to say as well, one of the thing, another thing I love in The Force Awakens was not just that, that whole sense that it, it lets you see behind the veneer of all these stock characters, but... Um, something that I think was pointed out in a couple of reviews, and that I had noticed too, was that you get a sense of the of a bond there even if it's not always a positive one because even later on when there's a couple of people who shout at Finn that he's a traitor like you get a sense that they have an emotional attachment to what they're Mm. doing even though what they're doing is terrible enough that they like that they care enough that he turned their back on them and they genuinely feel betrayed by it even though you obviously don't agree with what they're doing you know it's a very true thing as well because it's it's like the 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 kind of scorn that goes to a, a deserter yeah. Mm-hmm. Within yeah. within the ranks of 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 an armed forces. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the people people who just kind of up and leave because it's like, well, do you we think you're all better could than have all done of that. us? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, um, and what does that say about my identity as a person that you walked away from it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes the things that you that you react the strongest against are the things that remind you of 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 your own flaws Projection, or reservations. Yeah. 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 Projection. Mm-hmm. But I do find that that's kind of one of the things that was kind of striking to me about it was the sense that, and, and it feels like something that the that like, the Force Awakens does quite a bit, which is it hints, and it's something the Last Jedi does, I would argue even more, which is it hints at this idea of like a very clever way of thinking about the Star Wars universe by thinking about like little people and thinking about the people who are caught in the draft and caught mm-hmm. like in this quagmire of a, of a horrific sort of struggle. And then it doesn't really do anything with it. Like, because Finn is still happy to shoot down stormtroopers, even though mm-hmm. he knows more than anybody that these are guys who have been programmed since birth and trained to kill and stuff. And they taken don't, from their families. Yeah, taken from their, they don't necessarily yeah. have free will or whatever. And there's never any sort of focus on that. Like, there's a bit where, like, the blowing up of the flight deck and stuff like that is treated yeah. as a huge hurrah moment. Because it is. It's a big heroic moment. I don't but know you, if anyone actually dies when they blow up the flight deck. Okay, because it looks, it looks pretty serious. Is there a lot of people being... being uh, Running away and getting thrown with yeah, yeah like is he shooting around them? You want to be you want to be very good to be shooting around them for somebody who doesn't fire a tie fighter. I think he's that, shooting at them badly. Yeah, um, the, the the um thing the, it's not really consistent in that as in it does that quite well when you establish Finn as a character, yes. but. <laughs> Later on in the movie, it 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 does it does it very poorly. Like yeah. the, there there's the there's, there's the several... star destroyer yeah. that destroys what is it five six like and a, a whole system. Oh, and this he, is the star killer base. Yeah, all the planets but the one where the, uh, the droid BB eight uh, is BB eight. Yeah, which is by the uh, way a yeah, lot of fun. Billions but, and billions of deaths. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 like they show one planet for like a second. And and then uh, and and then and then destroy five or six of the same planets. Like in in 
in um well i mean this is arguably where this is arguably more a problem with modern blockbusters than anything else because we've reached the point yeah. where modern being sanitized yeah and scale the scale of blockbusters has gotten bigger now whether or not that's due to culture so mm. like we demand that modern blockbusters are bigger because like previous ones were bigger and bigger and bigger and so like we've reached the end point where like the like the first death star was enough to blow up a planet the second death star is big enough to be a planet the third death star has to blow up entire star systems or is it like is it technology is it we now have cgi so we can do destruction this level or is it because of 9-11 where we now have this image of destruction that we expect to be yeah you you have a cultural touchstone for for mass like so so like all the avengers films or man of steel they all use 9-11 imagery and we're like we're not desensitized to that, but it's now expected of a blockbuster. Yeah. yeah, it used to be that the threat of Armageddon yeah. was enough to kind of raise, raise the stakes. There has to be lots of little holocausts in, in like, yeah. the build-up to what we think is going to be. And in this movie... They, 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 they're, 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 they're going to destroy... Is it the Alenium system um, rebellion? Uh, no, they they've destroyed the Republic oh, already. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, you mean so, when they're on their way to destroy the base? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the stuff about the the Republic and the, and the Empire, and it's like, oh, it's it's uh, it's time it's time to destroy the Republic. I mean, they've um, they've pretended that they're not supporting the resistance, but they clearly are. So let's get rid of them. What are the rebellion but like they they yeah. always seem like such an ineffectual weak uh <laughs> sorry i'm not saying the uh I'm, what i mean is the republic the republic uh, <laughs> um seem seem like the um you know in futurama you've got the the neutral yeah um, neutral planet yeah yeah where, where it's like if i die tell my wife i said hi yeah where it's like um the first order is it's just the um well, the, it's the, the dark side mm. it's the empire it's it's the sith it's like whoa but let's it's, not be too let's quick not to throw judge. names here yeah <laughs> yeah they've rebranded it, kind of, and they've changed a lot of their policies well, we should, it is kind of interesting though to think about is that like I, I don't feel like we got to see enough of the Republic before it was just literally blown out of the sky but you have I suppose what they were going for there was the sense that the First Order are that evil that they have no qualms about blowing up gazillions of people but it's but but maybe the Republic were more the typical like old-fashioned political way of being like well you know they're taking an appeasing route or something and won't just yeah. confront them well that's what you think like being blown up is a declaration of war but you're also removing yeah. like all of your opposition in one go well so. i mean this is one of the things like i i love it i love the force awakens a lot i don't want to be too negative on it but um, one of my issues with it is that a lot of it and we talked about this when we talked at the start a lot of it is seal feels like a reaction to the prequels mm-hmm. and one of the reactions to the prequels, one of the messages that was taken from the reaction to the prequels and this is one of the things where like I'm not entirely happy with like modern criticism and, and particularly internet criticism in general because there's a tendency to fixate on certain aspects of criticism at the expense of others, right? So like the issue with the prequels is the prequels are bad movies. Mm-hmm. The storytelling is god awful in them. The yeah. pacing is terrible. The CGI is cluttered. Like they're not good films. I'm talking smack about sound as well. Yes. <laughs> where, where are my sound heads? Come on, sound anistas. Right. <laughs> Roll with us. Yeah. But, like, but, but I think what it's... you end up with is you end up with an attitude 
the, the takeaway from the prequels, though, is that, like, people don't like politics in their Star Wars films. So you end up with, which is not a take. That's not the problem with the prequels. The prequels problem is not that they're, like, they deal with themes like fascism and democracy, which is, like, you're doing this during the Bush presidency. This is the one thing the prequels did well, which yeah. was to explore how democracy dies through indifference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like one of the things The Force Awakens took away from the response to the prequels was people don't like talking about politics and people don't want anything that, like, challenges their preconceptions of what Star Wars can be. So what you have is you have a setup that is basically the same as it was in A New Hope. So you have the First Order, which are flying star, like literal star destroyers. They are dressed in the same way the Empire are dressed. They're behaving in the way the Empire behaves. The Republic barely appears. You've got no sense of politics. You've got no sense of relationship between the First Order and the Republic. You've got no sense of what's going on between the two of them or what the relationship is between the, poli- the, the Republic and like the Resistance, apart from the fact maybe they're supporting them. Instead, you have the Resistance, who are basically the rebels from the original trilogy. Even though you have to wonder, like, are they getting supplies from the from the Republic? Why aren't yeah. they harbored by the Republic? Like, like what makes them a Resistance when yeah. there's an actual government? Yeah, They're, nearby. At least in theory, yeah. standing in opposition to yeah. the First Order. And, and the same thing, and that's sort of like, that carries through, like... One of the things that struck me, and Andrew mentioned this, when you destroy the entire system in The Force Awakens, you get a very quick shot of one of the planets. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me, and maybe this is just me watching the film, being sort of like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of hostility towards the prequels here. But it looked like one of the planets from the prequels. Like, obviously, it looked like, say, Naboo, the palace on Naboo, or it looked like it looked the like design Coruscant. of Coruscant, for yeah. example. Yeah, it looked like that sort of 50s Art Deco design. It's the only mm-hmm. time it appears is on a planet that you're blowing up. And it seemed to me to be a very sort of direct and, like, almost petty for like what was a massive like going to be a billion dollar or two billion dollar film like petty aggressive sort of sideswipe at the prequels it's like yep we're taking care of that you don't have to worry about no that no more politics no more politics yeah. and it happens again in the in the last jedi not to again we don't want to get drawn into that but you have this discussion about like we are the spark that will light the fire that will restore the republic and you're like, no, 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 no. no. When the when the Weimar Republic collapsed into Nazi Germany, like, you, the, the Allies' position was not, let's restore the Weimar Republic. Like, that's not what you're doing here. That's not what this is about. And it's sort of, it, it just seems, this, and this is one of the issues I have with both um, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, is the sense that the original Star Wars trilogy was a product of its time in terms of, it was a movie about a generation that had fought the Second World War and is watching it slip from memory. So you have, like, the, the Empire exists as the specter of, of like, mm-hmm. fascism of the Second World War. Like, obviously, they're modeled on Nazi uniforms and obviously even still a Stalin and totalitarianism and stuff like that. But you also have, like, against that backdrop, you have the Vietnam conflict. Like, George Lucas talked about how when he was making A New Hope. That originally developed from a story he wanted to tell about the Viet Cong. And it was basically, it was a story about resistance fighters being a hero, taking on a huge sort of imperial power. Mm-hmm. And there was this sort of like crisis about like America, which had fought for democracy during the Second World War. Suddenly, are they now an imperial power? And how do you mm-hmm. reckon with that? Which was something that was very common in the 70s, right? My issue with like The Force Awakens is that like Force Awakens was released in 2015 at a time when, and it's much more obvious now, to be honest, but where you have a resurgent like fascist movement, a right wing movement that is absolutely horrifying and terrifying and has rebranded itself as something cool. Like people are are wandering around with swastikas and giving Nazi salutes. Let's not pretend they aren't, but they've also rebranded themselves as something cool and subversive. And it feels like a massive missed opportunity to suggest that like, if you're making a Star Wars film, the bad guys are going to look like what were basically knockoff Nazis from the 1970s. Like, 
I feel like you missed an opportunity. And it also feels like, what was the point of Return of the Jedi? What did Leia and the Resistance, or the, the Rebels in that mm-hmm. case, actually accomplish at mm-hmm. the end of Return of the Jedi if this is what's happening yeah. now? And it feels like, and again, I, I don't want to talk too much about The Last Jedi. One of the things I liked about The Last Jedi, and I don't think it delivered on, was a sense of almost nihilism. A sense of frustration. At, like, well, after everything that we have done, this is where we are, and this is how horrific things are. Mm-hmm. And like, we're just going to be fighting the same battles over and over again. What is the freaking point? And mm-hmm. the, that's, yeah. That seems to be something, it's certainly alluded to in this movie, and it seems to be something at the root of, Star Wars, in my mind, is this balance between the uh, good and evil yeah. and mm-hmm. the force and the dark side, I guess. Um, um, Sorry, we play some inspirational can, Star Wars music uh, in the background yeah. while you deliver your Correct, correct me on Twitter. But it, it, it's it's the um, quote, I don't know who it's from. It's some something that Obama liked to quote, but it, it was that um, history is, is a long arc towards justice. Oh, this is Martin uh, Luther justice. King, yeah. The, the arc of history bends towards justice. Yes, yeah. yeah. When, and, and, and it's not something that, that, that these movies seem to subscribe to. No. It's mm-hmm. more kind of... It's like Robert Mitchum, except him saying, so at some point... Actually, this will just go on forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, good and evil, and it's, it's, it's like a... It's, it's kind of a... The most you can hope for is a kind of... <laughs> Peronian like suspense of um, is is that only a few systems get destroyed at a time yeah but you know that that's what makes I think again not to talk too much about it but that's what makes The Last Jedi so frustrating is that like I feel that The Force Awakens had set up an opportunity anyway to go down a completely different route in terms of you know that idea of balance and good and evil and what what you need to I don't know maintain order or something in the galaxy but then you know it just it sort of just ends up saying the same thing it's like no you know constant good constant bad no shades of gray and that really annoys me because when you're talking about um and we could probably go into rogue one a bit more there but you when you're talking about like people who fight back in a war like the resistance as it were like they're still gonna have to do some pretty despicable things like nobody gets out untarnished and and like that's something that you could have gone into more i think in the last jedi and yes and again it's really hard to talk about without talking spoilers yeah but there's like this place without getting too spoilery there's a moment in the last jedi where a character discovers the concept of suicide bombing like it's an epiphany to them right and these are guys who have been terrorists for presumably at this stage through the original trilogy to this point yeah and it's like I remember watching several Star Wars films and thinking, and it's particularly true with, say, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, because those are movies that were released in the context of the war on terror. Mm-hmm. Like, so terrorists now means something different to Americans than Freedom Fighter did in the yeah. 70s. When they, when, when they thought of terrorists, they thought of, like, the IRA, and, they're, you know, you had that sort of Fenian, like, weird Yeah, there was a certain people. nobility or yeah. something attached to it, and that, that tends to romanticize... Because it's far away. Yeah, because the more was, terrible elements, yeah. yeah. And let's be clear, the IRA were terrorists in Ireland, um, yeah. Yeah. and it was horrific. But for American, for certain strands of American thought, there was a romance there about yeah. freeing your homeland. And I feel like... People have the same sort of... Um, well, actually, sorry, I was going to go off on one, but the 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 the, <laughs> the 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 kind of exceptions that people like to make to yeah, this person was a terrorist, but they're okay. 
sort of yeah but but terrorism is wrong except for this except instance. for except for all these guys yeah. Yeah. Nelson yeah. Mandela fine <laughs> um, uh, Yasser Arafat peacemaker uh, Jerry yeah. Adams uh, decent bloke yeah um, hilarious Jackie Chan might disagree yeah. 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 yeah but that's just the thing you know like the whole thing that one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter and but, it comes down to pers- perspective like which I'm not yeah. excusing but that, that's how like people look at it mm. but I think um to bring it back to The Force Awakens, you it sets up, in my mind, a really good potential for exploring that idea yeah. of, of, you know, good versus bad. Because you have the, the bad guy is literally descended from the good guys. He comes from the heroes of yeah. the original trilogy. And your, your new, like, hero, as it were, comes from nothing. Like, yeah. grew up in, like, with no family and had to fend for herself and was like well, just kind from of, the scraps of abandoned like, as far as we can tell yeah like one one of the great things i really like about the force awakens is the way it establishes ray as like picking through the wreckage of yeah. the empire through the, the fallen star destroyer and the broken yeah. living in the broken at 8080 and whatever. the way you see the people around her doing it too like yeah. that even though you don't spend You're a great deal of time in jakku you get such a strong like the world building there yeah. i think is really strong you get such a strong sense of what it must be like and other planets yeah. as well but I was kind of wondering with regards to the nostalgia thing, because I, I feel like mm-hmm. we should maybe concentrate the criticisms that we have in, in, in here and then sort of talk a little bit more about what we like about the film. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wonder, and this is part of, like, why I think the film, why maybe my opinion on the film, I, I don't know if it's cooled, but I, I think I, looking at it in 2017 is different from looking at it in 2015, because in 2015... It was a, a sort of a breath of... It was well-made. There was, was like, still it was, hope. It was a good <laughs> Star Wars film. Yeah, and yeah. it is a good Star Wars film, but it was a good Star Wars film when you hadn't had a good Star Wars film since 1983, you would argue. I'd, I'd say, yeah, 1983. Mm-hmm. Like, you hadn't had a good Star Wars film in more than 30 years at that point. So it was refreshing and exciting in that sense. Mm-hmm. And in, in hindsight, like, like all films that have made this scale of cultural impact, I wonder if... Like, The Force Awakens is a large part of why modern pop culture seems so nostalgia-driven. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, after this, you've sort of seen movies where you sort of fixated on bringing the original characters back on sort of, like, having more of a connection to the source material. So, like, for example, Star Trek Beyond, which Andrew hasn't seen, makes a point to include... um, a sequence which references all of the original cast as opposed to just Leonard Nimoy as an ambassador, that sort of stuff. Or even, like, for example, the Justice League film, which was horribly edited so that it could include John Williams' Superman theme or Danny Elfman's, like, 1989 Batman theme because this is what fans think about when they think about these elements. And I wonder if, like, The Force Awakens is a... I really, really like it. I really think it's a fantastic film. But I wonder if its success sort of paved a way for... And I mean, it was a broader trend that was already happening in pop culture at the time with revivals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of stuff like, say, the X-Files revival, in terms of stuff like the Prison Break revival, where you have this fixation on bringing back things that people loved like when they were younger and sort of venerating them and sort of worshipping them and trapping them in plastic, like like Han and Carbonite, to use a Star Wars metaphor. Yeah. But I, I also think The Force Awakens is quite meta in some ways like I talked about it with some friends of mine not long after seeing it and we had talked about that element of how you know so much of the structure is very similar to A New Hope and the plot developments and everything but I do feel like there's there's stuff in there that's coded in a way to be like this is different like this this 
I don't know. Um, you know, there's one point um, early on. Yeah, it's when Han Solo is, um, what's it, I suppose, facing off with those guys who come up to... Oh, the, the two all, other, yeah. Yeah, like the two other gangs. Him, yeah. And one of them literally says, like, the game is over. There's no one in the galaxy for you to swindle kind of yeah. thing. And then later on, when Kylo Ren says to Rey and Finn, um, you know, Han Solo can't save you now. It's just us. That, to me, always felt like a commentary of, like, we're letting, like the game is over we're letting it go with this film yeah. this is kind of the last aspect yeah, of it you're going to see that would be and it, then like, we're moving beyond that yeah. but then like also in terms of your your wider point I do think there's also a certain generational longing for this what's perceived as the simplicity of before yeah. where like the good guys were always good and the bad guys were always bad and nobody wants to think about their shades of grey which you can see yeah. playing out in politics now or just in wider cultural discussion where like if you said one negative thing that could be perceived as offensive in the year 2017 and it doesn't matter that you said it in like 2003 that automatically makes you a terrible person forevermore yeah. do you know what i mean like people are just written off that way yeah. and and like what i mean is that there's a lot of people who don't want to embrace nuance yeah. they just want people to be completely unproblematic or completely terrible yeah so. um, i i feel like so some something that happens in in this movie and in other star wars movies like empire is that even when it's to some people seemingly nuanced in, in, in its treatment of good versus evil. It's it's sort of like, well, I was evil then because... I, I was doing evil things then because I was evil. And I kind of struggle with it and now I'm good. So now I do good things, but then it's I like, did bad things. It's that SNL and, skit of Kylo Ren where it's like, hearing him talk about his dead son really hit home to me, especially because I'm the one who killed him. <laughs> I actually really like that, that, That's that, a great that, that undercover boss sketch. We'll include it in the show notes. But it's Kylo Ren at the Death Star going undercover. Yes. Uh, yeah. the so undercover I, I hear Kylo boss. Ren is shredded. I hear the guy's got like an eight pack. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Kylo Ren killed like 20 guys by himself. Um, it is, it, I think maybe you're on something there. I think you're right about maybe wanting a return to a, a more basic time because a lot or of what's is, perceived as a more yeah. simple time because uh, a lot of the stuff is is 90s nostalgia at the moment so like stuff like the x-files jurassic park um the independence day <laughs> all that sort of stuff <laughs> harks back to the 90s the 90s were a time when people were sort of when there was no cold war there was no war and terror everything was mostly okay yeah and like <laughs> it's funny because you go back and look at 90s pop culture and there's this weird existential crisis like what the hell do we do now mm-hmm. um but it's kind of weird to look back on it and now we're like oh that weren't things so much better then um, and it just feels kind of strange to have that your, sort of... Your urine. X-Files book is still for sale. My X-Files <laughs> book is still for sale. Um, if you want to sort of delve into that, thank you for the plug, Andrew. But if, if you want to sort of capture like that sense of 90s, like the sense of like anxiety and uncertainty that people felt in the 90s. I don't know time. why I say still for sale. This is a perennial classic. It's um, like chives. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it goes well with anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the paprika of X-Files criticism books. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's that sort of aspect of it. But I do wonder if The Force Awakens sort of brought in that, sort of like conjure that up. Because you, you know that a lot of other studios were looking at that. Because it made like, a bomb. It was the... Mm-hmm. It made well over a billion dollars. It had the highest opening weekend of any film at the US box office. Like, it was... It has a huge cultural footprint. And like every film with a huge cultural footprint, you get a sense that, like, Hollywood looked at it and learned all the wrong lessons. It's like with The yeah. Dark Knight, for example, Always. where it seemed like people learned that, well, what people want grim is dark. dark. Yeah, grim dark. Grim Not, dark. They don't want well-made films from directors who know what they're doing. They want dark films about people who are very serious and state their themes, literally. Yeah. Like, no. And you get the sense that with The Force Awakens, it's like, well, people just want pandering nostalgia. Um, and it, it really feels distracting. And it's hard. Like, it's one of those things where you don't judge a film for its legacy, but it's hard... Not to, particularly on this list, and we've talked about films in the past where 
like stuff like for example Cinema Paradiso where Cinema Paradiso defined what a foreign language Oscar contender looked like for like 10 years where people were like okay well that's going to give us Life is Beautiful it's going to give us Amelie everything's got to be whimsical and so as a result you had to wait until the mid 90s to get stuff like Lars von Troyer doing stuff or you know that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, whereas and I wonder if like The Force Awakens it's very early it's only been two years but I wonder if that's sort of the legacy of The Force Awakens in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I really kind of... I, I didn't enjoy a, a lot of the um, stuff with C-3PO, R2-D2, um, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca. Um, I probably could have done without and felt that was some of the weaker parts of the movie. But if it, I, I actually... This time watching, I quite kind of like Princess Leia in it. But I think you could have done with less characters because there is this... that From from the original trilogy, because there is this sense that Luke has... It, it would have made more sense for me if Luke had lost almost everything. Yeah. And had, and had, and had went away to Star Wars Island. Um, uh, and and, and trademark. Instead yeah. of basically just going off to sulk, which yeah. is kind of and, what it comes yeah. across. Yeah. I mean, and and then you 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 could have had maybe somebody uh, who was left behind or abandoned, yeah. like mm-hmm. either either make it a a Han Solo who's 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 who all her friends are, all his friends are dead, yeah. and or um or a or a, or a Princess Leia. And I thought that would have been more interesting mm-hmm. rather, rather than, than having, having C-3PO of kind yeah. of wondering about... And Orchard D2 in the yeah. corner ready to be recharged. And I, yeah. I think, though, to be fair, the way that they use the original trilogy characters is probably the the best way they could within the circumstances because I, I always got the impression that they thought of that final shot of Rey yeah. holding the lightsaber out to Luke that they, they kind of decided what their final shot mm, would be yeah. and worked backwards from that. Yeah. So they were they were always going to keep Luke for the end of the movie. Then naturally he would become like the... Focus the Yeah, like film. the MacGuffin or whatever that would yeah. keep... Well, that well, would keep, start the story in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Like everybody's looking for him. He He's like the end point. Famously, like he was in the original draft of The Force Awakens, but mm-hmm. they found that the moment that Luke appears, the narrative becomes about him. So what they yeah. decided to do is they decided to, you're right, to treat him as a MacGuffin. Yeah, and have people looking for him the whole time. Which is kind of interesting now to look at in hindsight, because you think, why are people actually looking for him? Which is, no, like, I know he's Luke Skywalker and he's, like, amazing, but he, you know, when you think about what they're actually doing, do they just want Luke to face Kylo Ren specifically? Yeah. Like, to deal with him? Because in theory, Kylo Ren is the only, like, so far as we know, force-sensitive bad guy that's that's on working with the First Order. Although there's Snoke as well, I suppose. Yeah. But, um... But like they say, you have those two, well, and then the rest of them is just like a stand standard yeah. well, military, was never a military enemy leader. Like Luke yeah, was never exactly. like even in Return of the Jedi when he was at the peak of his powers, mm-hmm. he was never the guy making the big speeches at the rebellion meetings. That yeah. was like Mon Motha, Mon Motha, or like Admiral Ackbar. He's very yeah. bad at that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he is. Uh, Luke is Luke is just who Mon Motha. Mon Motha. Okay. Not very good. Okay, just just so we're clear, one with braiding resistance, the one who won the first intergalactic war, like you know, just so we're clear on this. Yeah, or, <laughs> General Akbar. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> um, um, the. Um, but um, no, I, like I, I, I kind of yeah, I, I understand why you treat Luke as the MacGuffin. 
Yeah. I also actually quite like the use of Han here, and I like yeah, without I, I getting, do too. Without getting too spoilery, like there's there are elements of how the Force Awakens treats nostalgia that I do like. Like I like, for example, the revelation that well, first of all, Han is a terrible parent. Yes, because uh, that's completely in keeping. I don't with his think character. Leia gets off scot free though. Like we'll we'll talk about this later when we yeah. come back to what we like because I'm going to to write a beautiful beautiful. Um, story about Kylo Ren and how much I love him but um, I think The Force Awakens implies very clearly that both Luke and and or not Luke both Han and Leia were terrible parents yeah. and possibly irretrievably messed up their son oh yeah definitely like and I, 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 really I, really badly I, I like I really like that aspect yeah and the that. fact that the two of them aren't together for instance yes. and you it's know nice it's like it's not a, the happy ending that you see at the end and the fact that they don't get together as well because you imagine yes. like, like if yeah. you were plotting this you'd, you'd break them up and you'd have them come back together at yeah the like end. one last hurrah yeah. or something but I, I love... it seems like they they probably had sex in the same room as 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 C-3PO. Kylo Ren at some okay. point. Um, okay. And, um, and oh, this is supposed so, to be a clean podcast. Sorry, sorry. First, I all of the pardon. jizz references. <laughs> and... um, some music. <laughs> um, no, I don't know why. More that than was the necessary. Force Awakened that night, baby. Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, I do think let's let's talk about the good stuff then. So let's talk about. Kylo Ren and that love story that you want to write because I actually have a love story I want to write myself but we'll we'll let you go first mm, okay we'll open with the strong one I will say first like and I have another one to talk about Rey as well because I also really love Rey Rey and Kylo Ren are just would you go so far as to say she's a ray of light oh yes I would <laughs> but um no with Kylo Ren specifically I, I feel like I should say first off that I never interpreted him in the what I feel to be a very reductive way which is what a lot of other people see him as this kind of MRA stereotype boom I do not see him that way. Like, I can understand why people pick him up that way, but I I personally felt that The Force Awakens tried to contextualize why he was the way that he was to make him more complex than just an oh, Anakin Skywalker. Oh, MRAs are complex. They've got issues. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> the way, like, I saw him as being the product of, a, like, first of all, a really messed up home. Like, somebody who had been probably, like, neglected by his parents because they seem like the type who would put their, their wider ideas first, shall we say. So Leia's, like, must save galaxy, etc., etc., and Han just kind of a bit of an Egypt, really. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, um, I'm not sure Han has a wider idea. No, but you can see him just sort of being like, uh, right, and just kind of, like, yeah. there you go. Play with this wrench. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So, and then if you take that kind of soup of, of neglect, which would probably give a child some, some issues, let's be real, and then you also have him struggling with, like very strong force sensitivity um and possibly as well something else i thought might have happened and this is me just reading way too much into it but i was like if they knew that he was really or potentially very powerful when he was young did they have to try and keep him safe or like hide well, him from people yeah who would yeah or, or afraid of him and there seems to be a sense in the force awakens that to to a certain extent he can read people's minds or he can get ideas out of them um or get thoughts out of them so what if he could pick up on all of that and the people around him like that is going to isolate you and make you feel pretty bad about yourself which all creates like the perfect opportunity for someone like Snoke to come in and manipulate him and be like all of these powers that you have like they can make you great like in all the worst ways obviously like to give him something to kind of focus on that makes him feel important even if what makes him feel important is kind of terrible but like but I, I just felt like they did really well to set Kylo Ren up that way because even though he's a bad guy and he's very explicitly a bad guy and does a lot of terrible things it doesn't feel to me like he's just a a blanket bad guy. It feels like there are reasons why he are the way that, or oh. why he is the way that he is. It doesn't feel like he just woke up one day and was like, "Let's do some genocide," and, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, look, I actually, I, I would, I would and he, he clearly struggles with the way that he is oh, yeah. well, a I mean, lot. Like, you know, uh, it's it's not that it's a done deal. Oh, and yeah, without going into spoilers, Last Jedi. I actually okay. <laughs> I, I quite. I, 
Okay, I would I would disagree with that last Jedi, but we won't go into that. It's more I I like that the setup with Kylo Ren is that it's not that he's feeling the pull of the dark side; it's that he's feeling the pull of the light yeah. side. Mm-hmm. But I, I quite like a lot about the character. Um, I, first of all, I think Adam Driver is phenomenal. I think Adam mm-hmm. Driver is yes. probably the best actor to have a. Not the best actor, but the best, gave the best performance in a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And that I don't think he's as good as, say, Natalie Portman, but he's better than Natalie Portman in a Star Wars film. And that sort of thing. Um, and he's really, really good. And he does that very, very well. And I actually really like... Okay, maybe, and again, this is the, the reductive MRA thing, but I like the use of Kylo Ren as a, an, exce- an obsessive fanboy mm-hmm. who fetishizes the original trilogy, who treats, like... He treats the Star Wars trilogy as his birthright because he is a he is a solo and he's a Skywalker. He's got a connection to the Force by blood. He's got like the collectible in his room. You know, I mean, he's his... literally named after Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, like he is the ultimate Star Wars fanboy. He's the is, guy. Who... Sorry, is he? Yeah, his name's Ben. Ben. Ah. That took a moment. You know, that, that moment when, when Han walks out on the, the bridge and shouts, Ben, I swear to God. I remember seeing that for the first time and just being like, oh my God, I, I can't. This is too much. <laughs> like, but it is. And I mean, it, it feels like... And he, he works very well in the sense, like, he has this... There's a sense that he believes that he's entitled to the legacy of the Skywalkers and the Solos. And, and like, the wider Star Wars universe. Because, you know, he's Force-sensitive, because... And also, like, within the narrative, he is the only really new major white male character as well. Mm -hmm. Like, he is the character who would, if these movies were being made 20 years ago, be the protagonist. I mean, maybe Adam Driver's a little gawky or a little nerdy for for the role, but he's... He doesn't have movie star He's got great hair, um, and he's got great presence. But... You'd have Kirk Cameron. (laughs) Um, But you do, like, you get the sense that he is kind of... Kirk Cameron's still going. Yes, he is. Um, Which is also the title of his latest movie. Um, (laughs) Kirk Cameron's still going. But um, I like the idea, and there's this recurring tension through the film as well, particularly when he talks to Ray, when he talks about Ray. Like, there's the bit where, when the guy shows up in his office and he throws the first temper tantrum, um, and he's like, uh, is there anything else? It's like, they, they left with a girl. And he just grabs the guy and drags him over and he says, what girl? And it's like, you know, in the context of like the J.J. Abrams mystery box movie, mm-hmm. you su- you could suspect that this is, oh my God, does he have a sister? Is he looking for a sister? Does he have a cousin? Is it a cousin? Is yeah. he his nanny? Does he think he's it, got a It does imply some prior knowledge of her, even it, if he's not related to her specifically. Yeah. But in, in hindsight, it also plays really well as in like, well, okay, she escaped with a stormtrooper robot. And a woman? What's a woman doing in this story? There's also a bit later on where he's, he's talking, he talks to her about the, the girl who I've heard so much about and all this sort of stuff. Like, he's constantly belittling her and berating her. And, and like, she's not a woman. She's not an opponent. She's not a, a, a nemesis. She's a yeah. girl. But there's even the bit where, where he's talking to her and he's like, when he's, he's got her tied down, he's like, you know I can take whatever I want. So you have that sort of sense of entitlement. or even That bit, was definitely intentional. Yeah. Or even the bit where when she's brandishing, or sorry, when um, Finn is brandishing Luke's lightsaber, he's like, "That lightsaber, it belongs to me." Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, he's he's you know Luke's nephew, so you know one imagines like he's not really in the will in that sort of sense. But it's <laughs> like, Luke no, even it's, have a will? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luke doesn't seem like the kind of organized person who has that. But I, I really like that about Ren. I like the sense that he is he sort of feels like, and it feels like a conscious effort on the part of a movie that has gone out of its way to even though it's telling a familiar story it's telling it with 
a diverse cast of new characters. Yeah. And like one of the things about the nostalgia era, and while I'm not a big fan of it, I found that if you're telling old stories with new voices, like, and people talk about like, you know, the, the, the internet being really angry about diversity and about like, oh, pander, oh, so that's this thing, thing that belongs to everybody. Yeah. Is annoyed about But stuff. specifically belongs to me as a white man. Mm. I feel like if you tell like, it's not even that diversity is good for its own sake, which it is. Like, let's be honest here. Diversity is about making sure the voices who have been ignored, silenced, like brushed aside, forgotten about, are given a choice to be heard and to be seen and to be represented. So somebody who's a black kid watching Star Wars can have a character and go, look, that could be me. Or a little girl mm-hmm. playing can play with a lightsaber now, even though Le- Leia never used a lightsaber. Like, you, it's about seeing yourself represented on film, and that's fantastic. Um, but it's also storytelling-wise. Like, telling familiar stories with diverse casts leads to interesting narrative opportunities mm-hmm. yeah. and it makes the stories fundamentally different in that, yeah like, because you get a different perspective on it yeah. i think but it's um it's interesting because i've heard other people point out that that thing you have about him calling her girl throughout and so on which again to my mind possibly picked this up wrong um now in a post last jedi world but um like, I always read that as being that they were holding her name back or possibly her true identity or whatever back in the same way that nobody ever refers to Kylo Ren by his actual name until Han Solo calls him Ben when he comes out to confront him. So, like, because throughout the whole movie up to that point, they only say him or our son or, you know, but, like, they never call him by name. Does everyone in the Star Wars universe have a real name? And, and their <laughs> and stupid they're, names they're, they're, are just, just for... Just like your two new characters. Yeah, yeah. The, the, like, like the... the, the um, I, I guess, like... I, Why not actually Bob? I'd be a Quinniuqua. Um, yeah, it, 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 Luke Skywalker, Skywalker but, is uh, Jeffrey Jeff Organa. Smith. Yeah, Jeffrey um, but yeah, no, it's just Didn't realize like that. <laughs> so Obi Wan Kenobi, but his but name is Ben. ben. I think Ben is the name, ben, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, that, that his. When he when he had to go into hiding, um, his secret identity is yeah, it was ben. But he kept the same ben surname. Ben Kenobi. So. Yeah, like, I feel like yeah. I feel like Vader probably not very effective at the whole hunting thing. Yeah. Should we keep looking for that Kenobi fellow? No, never just drop no, us. Absolutely, Jean, no one has heard of him. Jyn Erso, a stormtrooper called Bob. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like the name of a like a book, a stormtrooper called that's, Bob. My yeah. memoir. I would, I would love to love to read that. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's sort of, probably another name for the type of trooper that Jyn Erso was in. As, as, as compared to <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Tie Fighter pilot, as yeah. compared to. But I, I do feel like though that's one of the things about the Force Awakens. Like, and for all the criticism it gets for retreading a New Hope, and it retreads a lot of a New Hope and a lot of Empire. I feel like you could probably put some of that down to the fact that a New Hope and a lot of original Star Wars is a really textbook structure based on the monomyth so yeah. like i mean it's it's recognizable in a lot of movies even if it's not done in the same way but like but I, star I, I, wars still takes it very very literally but i feel like yeah but i feel like this is done in a very specific way to the point where like yeah. this is the empire's third death star in four like consecutive like, films. guys give it up yeah. give it up you have i wonder how that. it's like put the how, plans in the droids and yeah and, and, and that sort of stuff yeah. or even like the walkway confrontation which is very much like the confrontation from empire and stuff yeah. like that mm-hmm. I, I just Part of me wonders Between how much, father and son. Yeah, how much of the empire um, like economy is built around Death Star production? Yeah. Like, I wonder, like, if the empire, if the emperor is like sitting there dealing with freaking Death Star <laughs> lobbyists, who are like, "Look, this is the way the machine works, baby. You want to be emperor, you got to get in the Death Star business." Yeah, 
Uh, plus also, can... like, you know, you got to give the, the, the gazillions of people who built this thing a job yeah. if you're not going to build them anymore. But this is actually, like, one of the frustrating things, like you were saying, that they don't go a little bit more into the politics of this universe because you're like, who's bankrolling the First Order? <laughs> yeah. Who's bankrolling the, the Republic and the Resistance? Or if the Republic was bankrolling the Resistance, then, yeah. like, what? surely they have other allies. Yeah. They can't just be the... The, the just secret. the first order on the republic yeah, yeah like it's it's bizarre but to my mind that sets up that there there's other things going on around them that nobody seems to want to talk about yeah. See, it seems uh, and like aren't they the, going to wonder when they get like 40 bills in a row for new like panel decks that <laughs> kylo has destroyed it's like yeah. it has been zero days yeah. since our last nonsense yeah snoke <laughs> is like look okay we part of your training i'm going to put you in front of a console i'm going to give you some bad news Mm-hmm. You smash the console, you lose. That's that's. The We're going to have a whole budget for yeah, this. It's a pass-fail <laughs> exam here, Kylo. I actually, I quite like the, the temper tantrums that ran yeah. through as well. Like, And even, because this is one of the things with the, The Force Awakens, and I feel like maybe this is a response to the prequel trilogy as well, its dialogue is a lot more modern than the mm-hmm. original trilogy as well. And when I say modern, I mean contemporary. So like even the original trilogy didn't have dialogue that marked the specifically 80s or, or 70s, you know? It was just bad dialogue. It was just, oh, okay. Well, it was, yeah, it was well our, you know, you know, know the, yeah. the Harrison Ford quip to George Lucas, like, you can write this. Can bleep <laughs> but you can't read it <laughs> yeah that sort of stuff like and um but it does have a lot of like the force awakens has a lot more of that sort of like take it down a notch finn or take it down uh, finn. yeah and it says a lot about harrison ford it's like harrison ford who like whose career was made by george <laughs> lucas who would still be making things out of wood if it weren't for george lucas <laughs> feels entitled to um, start criticizing it's like really harrison you feel like per, perhaps this should be written better maybe it should be cast better you it's know like uh, the, the... apparently um mark hamill said to ryan johnson after he read the script for the last jedi like literally said to him i fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made for this character yeah, and, and, actually... and he was like i mean i'll do it but i just want you to know that like well, which I, I, I kind of i'm like i want to hear more about this i i because Mark Campbell seems like, you know, a decent, like, easygoing mm. guy, not the type to get particularly head up about these things. And then he's like, you're wrong. But anyway. Like... Okay, I'm, I'm going to go out in the linear and say, actually, the treatment of Luke is one of the few aspects of The Last Jedi I unreservedly loved. Um, but... Well, it's, it's not the worst, but it's not the best. What is the best? The best in The Last Jedi? Yeah. There's a scene that I liked. Oh, I liked the <laughs> Porgs. I like the porgs. Porgs are amazing. Porgs are unproblematic and joyful. Yeah. They're, they're... like Ewoks, but good. Yeah. Um, and yeah. non-cannibalistic. Yeah. Uh, although it's not really cannibalism if you eat stormtroopers, because they're just clones, really. Uh, there, there was one possible reveal in The Last Jedi, which I liked. Oh, yes, one, yes, yeah. The one One scene Ray, yeah. that I liked. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Too... Sorry, Andrew has not seen the movie here, and Andrew's just nodding along going, this sounds like a discussion between people yeah, who are talking about it. Yeah, just turning on, tuning in, copping out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like, I love the sort of, it feels like The Force Awakens has the right balance when it comes to dialogue that is modern. Like, so for mm-hmm. example, like you have jokes about Finn, like being in Phasma's face, being like, I'm in charge now, I'm in charge now. Mm-hmm. You know, Ford saying, take it down, you know, and, and it has that sort of like colloquial. That's quality. not how The Force works. Yeah, that's not how- <laughs> like it has that sort of like colloquial quality to it which i think works reasonably well here but at the same time it feels like a reaction to say the prequels having like dialogue the, the original trilogy dialogue not great let's be honest here prequel trilogy dialogue is like that multiplied by itself in terms it's of so i hate sand 
Um, an entire monologue about how I hate sand. Also, we're in love now, but I hate sand. Um, and that sort of stuff. So it feels like a lot of The Force Awakens, how it was written, was written in response to that. It's funny you should mention Han Solo and Vicky Harrison Ford being ungrateful. Yeah. You know, you know one of the story, one of the reasons he accepted, the only reason he accepted the role in this film was to be killed off. He wanted originally to be killed off in Return of the Jedi. In fact, he was supposed to be killed off, I believe, in Return of the Jedi. I think, yeah, that they, he had he had, had some issues during The Empire Strikes Back, which is why he um, he ends up frozen in carbonite, because they didn't know if he would be back for the next one. So they figured that if he's frozen in carbonite, then we can like kill just him off if him. we have to. Um, but we can also just defrost him if he does come back. Wouldn't so. That's really great. I love the idea of like a different cut of Return of the Jedi, where Harrison Ford is just hanging in carbonite, while Luke and Leia talk about taking down um, the Empire. It's just an earthquake and he cracks in two. Yeah, yeah. no. So, yeah. Vader, no. Should we, should we probably on thought? We'll get round to it. We have more important things to worry about, Luke. But it's okay, because yeah. Lando's wearing his exact same clothes. Um, <laughs> you just hold him out too quickly and, <laughs> and he <laughs> like looks he's like, frazzled. Yeah. yeah. He looks slightly like, I don't know, uh, Robert Redford. Let's go oh, with Lord. That. Yes. Yeah. I actually, yeah, he, so the only reason he took the role was to be killed off. And actually, I quite like killing him off. I feel like yeah. that's one of the nicer kind of nostalgic elements in it. Because it feels like... They also killed him off in a way, I feel, that really, like, it, it made it a momentous decision. Oh, it did. For Kylo Ren's character. It wasn't like, you know, his death was particularly ignominious or something. It had a big impact, I think, on the, the rest did. of the story. And it was surprising. Because, I mean, like, when I, when I watched it in the cinema for the first time with people, there were two big gasps. And it was the death of Han and the appearance of Luke at the end actually were mm -hmm. the two moments where it seemed to really hit audiences like yeah which is odd because I suspect that's because the Han Solo introduction was in the trailer yeah so that didn't have I, I remember impact. being really suspicious though because I thought like Hans or Harrison Ford isn't a big fan of Star Wars he's doing an awful lot of promo on this almost <laughs> like he'll never have to promote another Star Wars movie again and lo and behold what a reveal it was yeah. when, you, when you contrast his as soon as he stepped onto that bridge I think everyone has to have known he was a goner it's like that wasn't a goner well there's no way that scene can really end satisfactorily yeah. without uh yeah. yeah, unless the bridge breaks in two and they oh, end up no. just staring. <laughs> yeah, it's it's staring it, it could, because you've established in this movie that somebody doesn't need to have the force to, <laughs> to, to, use, to, to use a lightsaber to yeah. fight and uh, injure somebody pilot, who's okay, like a, some kind of Sith Lord. Okay. And I'm, Andrew, I'm not even Andrew, a Star Wars fan. Like, uh, I'm not a Star Wars I, fan. I, no. And, and, this and upsets you profoundly. I, I feel kind of like... like be, be, it probably upsets me less now that I've that I've um, and, and I feel I feel like um, believing that this might be similar to Power Rangers might 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 assuage some of my um, reservations about its sense of logic. And it's, it is no longer necessary. The 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 the, the, the it, 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 I'm sorry, but it doesn't. It, it's like people the people who try to make sense of this movie online. Are the same people <laughs> who who try who uh, and and other Star Wars movies, by the way, are the okay, same so the same kind of people in the kind of in age of the Enlightenment who who are still trying to say, well, maybe maybe there is uh, maybe there is a 
planets. Um, uh, maybe there, there, uh, there is there's definitely only six planets, <laughs> 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 or, 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 or whatever it was. The the the, the theories about um, I'm butchering this, but it's 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 it's, it's like whatever whatever <laughs> laws of physics we have now must be must be the right ones because we thought very hard about them. <laughs> and um, they've been or, there a long time. Or somebody did. We 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 have to come up with ad hoc explanations. Of, of why something that doesn't make sense does make sense rather than change our theory. Yeah. Um, and, and the theory that I've come around to is that it doesn't make sense as well. Yeah. I mean, well, the, that's, that's the thing is that like a lot of the assumptions that fans have about how Star Wars works and I like that The Force Awakens does stuff like let a non-Force sensitive person hold a lightsaber. Um, yeah, I like, it's not like there's a force field around it that's going to repel them backwards yeah. if they try to touch it. And it's not even like it's been explicitly stated anywhere else. It's just something that fans have sort of taken onto themselves yeah. and considered to be like canon. And they've made it through their mm. own. So there's nothing wrong with challenging but, that. Yeah, so so I, 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 I'd had this, this discussion with people who liked Star Wars like years before um, this movie. And, and I'd said... How does it, how does a um, lightsaber work? And it's like oh, it's uh, it's kyber crystals and 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 light comes out and it's the uh, HDMI the Claudians. It's basically uh, a, a that, limited laser. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it stops at a point. Yeah. Why 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 is that? Oh, because they have the force. Because um, <laughs> I love the idea that like not only is Kylo Ren concentrating on keeping his hair perfect, he's yeah. also, also concentrating, concentrating on, on keeping the top of his Why lightsaber. not make it a little bit longer? <laughs> like <laughs> overcompensate much, Kylo? <laughs> Why not create like little mini dagger lightsabers? Yeah. You know, like yeah. well, I actually like that about, uh, and it, it, it comes up in the the Last Jedi. It's also in the prequels as well. Like there's a sense of like playing with the lightsaber sort of technology and stuff, and even like Kylo Ren's lightsaber in in this. And this is nothing about fan of logic this is just it looks cool mm-hmm. but like the yeah. idea of like his is cross guard lightsaber which is horribly impractical because it yeah means... he's gonna burn and his I... hand every time <laughs> he picks it up yeah let's say if he twists his hand in the wrong way he'll t- like cut his own arm off yeah yeah um but it looks really cool and i love the fact that it sort of it reflects him as a person because it's constantly like burning yeah it's not like a solid ray of and light the light. noise that it makes it's always sort of like stuttering yeah, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it feels like it might blow up in his hand yeah. at any Improvise, moment. Yeah. yeah, it has this sort of like homemade with a bit of duct tape and yeah. some light crystals, some kyber crystals who've been sort of like salted or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you have a situation in 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 the Force Awakens where where now people have because 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 the Force Awakens is canonical, they now have to um, incorporate this into their um, systematic. Understanding. Um, understanding of Star Wars, so they say. Well, he doesn't have the force, so he can still hold a lightsaber because everyone <laughs> now can do that. But he can't deflect the force blast because only somebody with the with the force can do this. But also, he 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 can he. Can, he can fight Kylo Ren and and, and okay, well, it, it, it it doesn't make well, any two, sense. Okay, and that's but, fine. But, like two, two things. First of all, Kylo Ren had already been shot in the stomach at yes, that point by something like, that they repeatedly show <laughs> yeah, throughout the movie. Like literally blows people away. Rooms, like, so mm. it's it's a pretty severe wound, I'd wager. Yeah. and he he only wings him in the shoulder, which is which yeah. is, By the way, like and this is one of the things. And he's really, also just killed his dad. Like he's yeah. he's, he's not in a good headspace. Not if, a good headspace. If, but, if, if 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 he can if he can do that to his hair, like surely he can do something <laughs> similar to like his kidneys. At the end, or, his hair starts to look all frazzled because he's using all that force energy. Oh yeah. his yeah. kidneys yeah. inside. 
Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's clearly actually, what's He should have used his own lightsaber to cauterize that wound. It would have stopped it bleeding. At the um, if he can control the top using the force, because otherwise it's just, this is worse than it was <laughs> a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, no, it's Potter Ted where you try to fix the car. <laughs> just keep on making it worse. Yeah. I just have this image. It's like, okay, hold on. I've got the right distance for this. But yeah. she, like, no arms and no legs. Yeah. Oh, bite your, yeah. It's just, bite I remember when, well, like, watching the Empire Strikes Back and when Luke loses his hand yeah. be like that's so handy like the wound is instantly cauterized <laughs> it's that's the most humane way you really could put on effective mortality weapon really like it's a very hard way to kill somebody unless yeah. you decapitate or but you can definitely out. cut off some body parts yeah you can lock them it's like okay i hope you learned your lesson after this one Oh yeah, that, that's it's it's. Uh, well, I suppose he's he's opened it probably by punching himself repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, that's really um, and that's why he's bleeding onto the sword. Yeah, uh, onto I, the snow. I do find that 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 like that movement of the character is really interesting. Now, that's something what? I used to wonder. Was that in the script or was that something Adam Driver added? Because that sounds like something, or f- it looks like something an actor would add as opposed f- to a writer. I feel like it's, it's... It's like you're psyching yourself up. Actually, I was going to... Also, just getting the, the pain anger as a weapon. Yeah. I was going to so say something filthy, but pain. I'm not going to... Okay, Andrew, go ahead. We can always bleep it <laughs> Dear out. diary. I mean, as opposed to jizz music. No, yeah, it's... it's along jizz the, music I, sounds like something else entirely. Along the same vein. No, it's... Go for it, Andrew. It's like 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 he's one of these people who's who's stopped masturbating, <laughs> and, and they've read like a whole lot of um, articles online about. You were you were saying about <laughs> MRAs, right? Yeah, you exactly. Know, that's, 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 that is the thing. Yeah, where they want to keep no, their testosterone. But it is like that's that's apparently yeah. a big MRA thing is that you don't relieve yourself in that fashion yeah that actually up, explains a lot it does it builds up the testosterone and rage and anger which is a so, great idea <laughs> so what could possibly go wrong I li- but i like the idea i like the embodiment i like the idea of ren as like the embodiment of toxic masculinity because he has that um, even in like the last jedi not to get too spoilery like somebody in vanity fair compared the last jedi's ren story to the story cat person from the new yorker no where like there's this that conver- is vile it's a great comparison it works really well when you think about it because it's got like you got shirtless pics of him getting sent across the galaxy you got like this text message communication going on and then it turns out oh actually yeah no, not a good guy not a good guy at all yeah so it's interesting that you should mention that andrew in that, in that particular yeah. comparison He's, he, 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 that, that's what it made me think of just now. He's like, <laughs> kind of like punching himself in the stomach. Like, kind of, I like, I like that to Andrew. Yeah. The idea of not masturbating is equivalent to punching an open wound. <laughs> the amount of pain that this causes. Yeah, he's, he's trying to. Yeah, yeah. Well, with that glimpse into Andrew's psyche, actually, what, 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 what? What have I been painted as? Just saying, it's an interesting comparison to go very from out there. yeah okay. to go from like punching an open wound to not being able to masturbate. It feels like one of them is more extreme than the other. I can masturbate fine. I'm great at it. <laughs> um, this moving on. Yeah, moving on. I actually speaking of like, I really liked. Um, J.J. Abrams uh, gets a lot of flack as a director. I actually really like The Force Awakens, the way it's directed. I particularly like the climactic sword fight uh, with Rey and with Ren. 
because um, it reminds me of a, a, a Kurosawa movie, which is obviously like a huge influence on Star Wars, where you have the snow, you have the blood on the snow as well. Yeah. Like you have mm-hmm. Ren leading onto the snow, so you have this nice contrast of red and, and white, which has this sort of like, it's almost like going, not only going back to the original Star Wars, but going back to its its original sort of inspirations. You have this sort of fight, in a samurai fight almost in a snowy forest. Which the I sword remember. being put out in the snow. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is beautiful. It is. It's just a really beautiful one. But you were saying you want to talk about Rey a little bit. Yes. A lot. <laughs> I thought she was great. Yeah, she is No, Rey is fantastic. Like, she's such a great character. And, and one, like, the type of character that you would hope for in a movie like this, but you just don't really expect to see. And I think that's, that's part of what makes her so meaningful as well, is that they introduce her, but they actually, they follow through, I think, in The Force Awakens anyway, they follow through on their promise where a female protagonist is concerned. Because, um... Like, when they introduce her, they immediately establish a certain level of complexity, I felt, around her in terms of her life and how, you know, lonely she is and how isolated she feels and just how hard her day-to-day life is. Like, I think you learn so much about her in a few wordless scenes. Um, One quarter portion. (laughs) Than you would in a lot of other, like, movies. Even right down to when you come back to her little house and the, like, which is a downed at, 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 yes, is what we're calling it. I've heard some people say AT, AT, yeah, which is... Sounds too much like AT&T. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit weird. But you see the inside of her house, that you see a glimpse of, of personality. Like <laughs> she has a little like rebel pilot doll thing. She has a thing on the wall which implies she's waiting for something. She Oh yeah, the little marks on the wall. Yeah, like and then and she sits outside and puts on the helmet. So you see this like you get this one moment of her just seeming really kind of childlike and what? innocent. Is um, she a fan actually is what I'm wondering. Like she works very well mm-hmm. as a metaphor for like a fan because she's living yeah. in the cultural wreckage of the original Star Wars trilogy, quite yeah. literally. In, in terms and she of, has this universe, I think, that, that or an, an idea of something bigger than, than yeah. her, for want of a better way of putting it, um, well, this that brings her yeah. comfort, you yeah. know? This like she believes that her parents are going back for her because she believes she's part of like the monomyth structure of Star Wars. Yeah. And even, I think, when she's confronted with the reality that you know her parents really aren't coming back from her for her and her parents may not be anybody important at all, um, she reacts in a way that I feel is really human like she just kind of runs away because that's too much to deal with in like even if it's something you might know at a certain level that's something that's really hard to confront if it's what you've structured your whole identity and and way of life around like this is the thing that was keeping you going each day be like oh just one more day and somebody will show up and you know that kind of thing um but then yeah right up to the end of it where like they let her essentially rescue herself using like abilities that they've already established she has and they're consistent with that throughout like there's no point where she becomes completely incompetent and unable to take care of herself the way so many other competent female characters fall victim to that um and then right up to the fact that she's the one who gets to to call luke's lightsaber and face off against the bad guy it's just like you know from from the moment she's introduced to, to to the climactic battle i think her development is so clear and consistent and it's done in a really rich rewarding way um and in a way that i just don't think you see in a lot of films especially not with a female character no and i mean like one of the things that i really like about ray is that it she's probably my least favorite of the three leads or she was up until the last jedi at which point i think she came out as my favorite but she is very much the luke skywalker character of the trilogy without any any compromise or anything like that or any sort of like she does exactly what the hero in the Campbellian myth does and there's no fuss about it and it's really frustrating because you have a lot of and again like Andrew's talked about like the feedback that you get to Star Wars you have a very vocal section of the fandom which are like oh my god she's a Mary Sue which first of all is a misunderstanding of the term Mary Sue which is is a parody of a character who is a self-insert audience insert but first of all she's not even an insert character second of all she does nothing in the film that Luke doesn't do in, in A New Hope 
And in fact, actually, and there's more context for her skills and abilities than Luke ever gets. More than that, she's allowed to fail more than Luke ever does. Yeah. Because I, I remember watching it this time with that in mind, being impressed at how often she messes up and then recovers. So, for example, like when she's in the Millennium Falcon, when Kanja Club come to attack, um, come to get you know Solo. Uh, she plans to lock the doors on them and trap them and even though she's never worked on a ship before so she trips the fuse but she trips the wrong fuse which leads mm-hmm. to giant man eating monsters there for example yeah but i mean even and when the, she's flying the falcon at the start yeah. it's like it crashes into everything around them yeah. before it actually takes off yeah it's it, she so. it's she's not gifted and she's i would argue she's even less gifted than luke is in, in a new hope because luke all of a sudden starts flying the falcon and can shoot the you know all right kid don't get cocky and can make like a torpedo turn 90 degrees in mid-air to go down a chute that's what more, less than yeah. a foot wide. It, it, made, it, it made me wonder about how much of the Millennium Falcon are important moving parts and how much is just Lego. <laughs> that, that it was just crashing against everything. And that is a good point. Because if you look at it, you have like that kind of glass pot at the side, which is the cockpit. And the rest yeah. of it is just kind of stuck on. Yeah. Like what's actually in the rest of the ship? Because you only really see like a couple a, of halls and An rooms. arcing corridor yeah. and, and like a, a living area. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so I mean, what else it, is there? But even the bit where um, Han and Chewie break into the, the Falcon, which is really... Because I was watching it again and it was really weird because like... You would imagine from the way the scene is laid out, they're breaking from the outside of the Falcon into the Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. But then later, because they break into the corridor where Ray and where Finn are doing their little, like, improvised sort of, like, fix the toxic gas situation. <laughs> um, but then later on, you see them walk down the same hallway and there's more corridors besides. So it's like, okay, we got, we got through the third lock coming into the Millennium Falcon. Fourth one's always a problem. I do believe Andrew actually noticed as well during those scenes that Chewbacca... That Finn's medical oh, care yeah. Chewbacca. Yeah, if you're if um if Chewbacca gets shot by a by a blaster, first thing, uh, well, one of the first things you need to do is shave around the wound. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's culturally inappropriate yeah. to Wookiees. Yeah, and for somebody else to shave around. Yeah, the wound, it yeah. Seems, uh, there would be a lot of hair. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot with the razor. I actually I found that Chewbacca looked a lot more streamlined here i found like chewbacca had been to the hairdresser or something because he seemed like he got a he'd gotten a bit of a blow dry yeah it's like this is like proper chewbacca it's like okay Mm -hmm. well if we're gonna be smuggling rathgars and we got 50 grand from kanja club okay chewy you could do a day at the spa he's got all this crew stuff in his bandolier now (laughs) (laughs) well now that we're no longer carrying luke around it's like okay well this this is now chewbacca's hair care product store yeah um actually yeah yeah barbicide and yeah (laughs) I actually quite like the use of Solo in this film in terms of he seems like a like he seems he's lovable in the way that Harrison Ford is lovable but he's also it's just sort of like if somebody let your dad go off into space and be like what have you gotten yourself into yeah. <laughs> but that's it but it's, it's also a sense that he's um, also not very good at what he does which is something yeah. that I think and this is one of the things but about... I think that comes across in the original yes. trilogy too a lot like it's yeah. I mean if he was good at what he does he wouldn't have ended up in the hole with Jabba the Hutt and he certainly wouldn't have been caught and turned into carbonite yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, I, but he's I... just a bit of an Egypt yeah. like a lovable yeah. Egypt but an Egypt nevertheless yeah. I don't know where he got this reputation as this smooth charming like I, I brilliant like... tactician because you're just kind of like lads yeah. you, mean, you mean the rebellion general right yeah he was the guy who got captured on the planet while Luke was dealing with the emperor yeah that guy yeah like he he's earned his his republic and his resistance pension and it's like now to go back to that thing that I was really bad at um, 
Did you make it sound as if being a resistance general was something he was really bad at? He got Leia captured no, and was no, all frozen be, in carbonite. Be, be, being a, um, smuggler. a smuggler is something that... Is. He's even worse at than being a rebellion mm, general. Kylo Ren was that much of a nightmare child. He <laughs> yeah. had to go back to doing something he hated. I feel like Chewbacca is probably the strength of the duo. Yeah, yeah it's like the unsung brains of the operation. Yeah. And sort of lustering. But I, and I and also... Han just speaks the common tongue, so everyone assumes it's him. Mm. Yeah, and I love that Han is... Yeah, there's also... I think a sense of darkness about Han in this, in that like he's playful and cheeky in the way that, that Harrison Ford is, but there's a bit of that like the element that got taken out when you had Greedo shoot first. Like there's a sense of like well, first of all, Han is a deadbeat dad. First of all, and, yeah. and as like as a failure as a father, and he as somebody disappointed who, you. <laughs> who ran away from his his problems oh. and refused to confront them. But also even stuff like for example the the killing of. Like, the, the releasing of the Rathgars on the ship and not really caring about the fact that he was just taking the Falcon and leaving all these horrible people to be horrible. Well, he literally massacred. throws one of them yeah, at he, the Rathgars. That, that's the scene I was thinking of. Yeah, there's a scene when he's escaping when he grabs one of them he's and like, throws him into the Manny monster and you're like, yeah, that's... So that's, heroic. That's the Han Solo we know and love. And I like mm-hmm. that he got to be that. Because yeah. that was one of the big issues with the, the remaster of the original trilogy was that in order to get the PG rating, Greedo had to shoot first because otherwise Han Solo will be murdering a man in cold blood. So I like that you get that sort of, like, Han's a bit of a scumbag. Yeah, yeah that's kind of undercut by some of the really corny, kind of almost um, uh, oh, barreling the camera, saying it's all true, and it's like, we're home, <laughs> Chewy, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God. But I'm not, I, I, I'm not, I'm not think... offering you a job. I wouldn't be nice to you. It wouldn't pay very much, <laughs> but I can be your father figure. I think there is a bit of a symbolic resonance there, because as much as... as... Han is, like we say, just a bit of an Egypt. There is, like, a nice human side to him, which you see Mm. occasionally. And I think in that moment when he talks about how the Force is real, like, considering how sceptical he was in the original trilogy and he just thought it was a big pile of crap, basically, um, for him to come out and say that clearly has real weight. And then the fact as well, I think, that he was so willing and ready to write off Kylo Ren. It's just like, oh, we lost him, there's nothing we can do. But Leia explicitly says to him, if you see him, try and bring him home so he does like and he does that for her because he clearly knows it's not going to work out and then just that last bit after he like after he's been stabbed with the the lightsaber and he takes the moment (laughs) to put his hand on on kylo's face and you're just like that's gonna haunt you to your grave then (laughs) that one moment (laughs) yeah you're half imagining the grumpy harrison ford being i knew it tell your mother this was a terrible idea but again that's i think an illustration of how much of solo is down to ford's charisma because mm-hmm. as much as ford is a curmudgeon and he's a very curmudgeon oh yeah character, no like, undoubtedly has, like of the original trilogy like i think that like fisher was okay in the original trilogy hamill was bad in the original trilogy for being honest like oh, I think he got, but he got a lot better he worked he didn't really have hard. a lot to work with no he didn't. like and luke especially in a new hope is not written very very no, sympathetically no, at all. <laughs> i'm a farm boy i'm gonna leave i was gonna go into tashi station to pick up some power converters yeah but nothing else important to do yeah i know i know mom and dad i know uncle and auntie you know i can't believe they literally had to be incineration before me before <laughs> yeah. before i got some scope or like backbone but, uh, <laughs> but I I know that you guys have worked really hard to make this farm your livelihood, but I'm going to leave this dust bowl behind me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is... This is some Star Wars talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay the, uh, no, it is. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> I like Oscar Isaac a lot. Oh, uh, yeah, we Oscar. haven't even talked he's, about Poe. Oh, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, well, that's because Poe doesn't really get much to do. He's pretty much learned yeah. everything. But yeah, yeah, he... he, he like, like, it... it, it 
It, he has that Harrison Ford charisma. Like when you he watch, does. he has a swagger. When you watch Oscar Isaac in anything, he seems like you can trust him. Even when he's, he's in, also like, a very good actor. Yes. Like I, I feel like nothing could have stopped uh, Oscar Isaac from being delivered to us. Like <laughs> it's just too 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 good to be kept. Like time travelers, like in the future, going the moment that Oscar Isaac makes it, that's a that's a historically charged <laughs> yeah. moment. It was always going to happen. Maybe. Yeah, any time it would happen would be like not soon enough. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> His charisma is threatening to manifest himself. Yeah, it and he's so um, uh, like I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a big well actually maybe fan is the wrong word. I, I certainly sound like a fan, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a big admirer. Of, of, of Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Um, I, I did like the Inside Lewin Davis team up here and I'm very disappointed that when Poe and Kylo Ren were together that none of they them didn't said, sing outer space. Yeah, please Mr. Vader, please don't send me into outer space. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I like Poe a lot but I, I find it interesting to look, like, when you find out that Poe was originally supposed to be killed off. Was apparently, it? Oh. Yeah, and like, and even at the time I think Oscar Isaac signed up because this was a problem for him I think J.J. Abrams had talked to him about the role or something, but he said, you're going to be killed off pretty early on. And, like, Oscar Isaac wasn't really happy about that, but he said he'd do it anyway because it's a Star Wars movie. So presumably but then, he would have died when the fighter Yeah, crashed. he was supposed to die in that crash, which, if you think about it, I mean, you wouldn't really cast someone of Oscar Isaac's caliber if it's a disposable character, but you, you also can see don't, why don't from... You have a Steven Seagal moment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you can understand why from a narrative perspective that would have made sense for yeah. Finn's arc that he's suddenly, like, completely alone. But anyway, they decided to keep Poe alive, which again leads me to wonder, like, who was going to be the third part of that new trilogy of characters yeah. if they were planning on killing him off? And again, like, make some of the later decisions about his character a bit suspect because he clearly was not sketched in for the trilogy at least not originally but then i'm also wondering how much of this trilogy again in a post last jedi no spoilers world well, but how much of it has actually been mapped up in advance and how much of it has just been made up as they go along well i mean jj like, abrams wouldn't create something not knowing where it's going to go but jj um, abrams had no control over the last jedi sadly they, so, well, that's what they, i'm saying they, so here we are. well they, they met well they met they met and they had discussions like Rian johnson would have been writing the last jedi having not seen the force awakens but getting script feedback from uh, abrams that explains what, a lot what, hey. what 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 i mean is that jj would completely create something not knowing where it's going to go <laughs> to be clear yeah. that has never happened before I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about I'm lost thinking of an example <laughs> of that but, but I'm, I'm thinking like in a wider scale like surely that's a like, fringe there's, case you're bringing up there there's a production team that's sketching it out yeah. at least notions of where it might go in advance mm. and I'm sure like they know where they want it to but, end in the third film but I mean like it was the same or is this just me being super idealistic and thinking of course they knew what was going to happen let's see who becomes movies. president yeah <laughs> and how this goes um, but I, I do script B. <laughs> I do feel like though you say that like it's a bad thing. Like I mean, one of the things which about part the the fact that there was no committee figuring out where they wanted to go with all three movies. Like, as, as, as a like, I mean, as, as a fan of film last... and and somebody now with a degree in film, it upsets me that people start things without knowing where they're going because that is just bad bad writing and bad practice. But, it is Three fundamental. Films. We're talking six it's years. It's a fundamental tenet of writing that you know where you end. But, the, the, but because otherwise you're just the same people. They're three separate films. Like, you're supposed to have a basic story in mind and then give people like let them figure out how to TV. get there. It's not no. a TV writing. No, I, I disagree. 
But I don't understand why you take a risk with something like Star Wars and just be like, hire three people and make it up as you go along. It happened the same way with the original trilogy. I can empathize with with people who's This is a cultural behemoth now, so why would they give people that much freedom? And we know that they don't, because they keep sacking directors who aren't towing the line. Oh yeah. So clearly there's some level of of awareness as to where they wanted to go. Well yeah, they started sacking directors who aren't towing the line after Rogue One, where they're like, "Make make a Star Wars war movie. It's like, okay... That's a little bit too much like a Star Wars war movie. Yeah. Let's bring in Tony Gilroy. Like, I like the idea. And again, this is something where we're talking like broadly. And I know that it gets you disasters like, say, Man, not Man of Steel, but like Batman Superman. And it leads to minor misfires like The Last Jedi or whatever, like the problems of The Last Jedi, I would argue. But like, I like the idea of a director being trusted to do what they're doing on a particular film without looking at like, a larger canvas. I like the idea of saying, make this film, the film you are working on now, make it the best film you can. And, like, have the freedom to do what you want with it. Like, Rian Johnson, for example, when he was doing The Last Jedi, he wasn't giving notes on, for example, who Ray's parents had to be. He was free to choose whoever he wanted, for example. Which I think is a good approach to these things. Like, I feel like if you're making a film, I really don't want a conveyor belt where it's like, okay, all you're doing is basically enforcing the studio's vision. I feel like that. But I think see, you, you, you. Oh, sorry. Um, you, you could, you could, you could have a very broad sketch where where you where you allow a certain amount of freedom for for characters, but in terms of what key you, plot points. Yeah, exactly. So you, you you could you could you could draw it as as broadly as the republic is in turmoil and the um, first order. the first order is um is 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 planning a um a a a, a weapon of 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 mass destruction which is star wars the yeah. the, fir- the first movie <laughs> the, and 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 then you could say second movie i don't know uh, the 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 um the the force the the, force the, the yeah yeah no no the, like like the um our new protagonist goes into training with 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 with, with, with a the, grisly old Jedi master, yeah. which is also like yeah the second Star Wars film exactly, and then and then the third is like the the triumph the of, of the re- re- rebellion. Okay, good. And, you said rebellion there. I was worried we were having Donald Gleeson flashbacks there. Um, uh, uh, resistance. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rebellion or whatever. But no, oh. the 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 triumph of the will bit with Donald Gleeson as General Hux. Ah, which was the only bit where the First Order actually felt threatening. I think for me. What 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 was that? That's it, the biggest speech, speech, speech in the last day. Yes, will be the right, last I, with day the key change the in the middle. Yeah, with the what? The key change in the middle. Yeah, because it's like I I can't keep a straight face during that scene ever. <laughs> but like I can hold it up until the point where he's like this fearsome weapon that you have built or something, and then he goes, "We'll bring an end to the Senate." Like it's <laughs> like he's going up an octave when he's singing, and you're just like, "Oh God, oh God!" <laughs> like what just, have you done, it's, Donald? It's yeah. kind of Jesse Eisenberg in uh, in, uh, Batman. in Batman v Superman. Oh God. The, it's uh, one of the worst performances yeah. in human history. It has to be absolutely. But uh, the thing that impressed me was that it was Donald Gleason. <laughs> So like I, I was like wow because he he's it, it, um there's there, there's so much things that Donald Gleason can do not all of them are going are going to work but he's he's doing like a, a quite a wide variety of things and I feel like God, there's something he to does admire like, in like that. oily snivelly so yeah, well yeah exactly <laughs> but he is, he's basically doing the Peter Cushing from A New Hope which is great because yeah. the the Peter Cushing he character does, I don't Tarkin, think he has the 
the the impact of Peter Cushing though, because Peter Cushing oh. feels like he's intimidating, whereas General Hooks always just feels like, well, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's. But again, that may be deliberate. Yeah. But like to to get back to our original ranting, there, it's like I I think you know from my perspective, if you are someone like Disney and you buy Lucasfilm and you want to make three Star Wars film, you say to yourself, it's you know it's like setting up a, a roadmap or something. You're like, here's where we'll start. Here's where we'll end. And you give people, like, say it's a road trip and you're giving the individual directors or writers or whatever, let them figure out how to get there. But they have an idea of where it's going, is my point. And you don't, because otherwise you end up in a situation where you have one film which, you know, introduces X, Y, Z and codes them as important. And the next film can flush them down the toilet, which is not a satisfying experience for anyone involved. Because otherwise... What are you paying attention to? What's important? You're just looking the at a random itself. jumble of the words. Film, the film itself. But then it's you, a standalone movie. It's yeah. not the second part of a trilogy. You, but, you, but you can do that with a standalone. You can't do it as a trilogy. Because they're take, supposed to be connected. Take the Dark Knight trilogy. which And I know people have problems with the third one in that, right? But, but the take Dark the first, Knight trilogy is connected. There are but, components but that, they that weren't written. It. They weren't written as such. Every single one of those films was written by Nolan as if it would be the only Batman... Okay, not the only... The last Batman film he would write. But it's like, the one yeah. creator. But they, yeah, they, but they, also and, you have characters that are like, say for instance, you have the first film where like a lot is made about Rachel Dawes, and then she's also in the second one, and also treated as important in yeah. the second one. And in the third one, there is a fallout from the fact that she's been killed in the second one. That's my point. There's like common narrative threads throughout, even if they're not treated in exactly the same way. But stuff that is introduced as important or set up as, as being in some way of significance to the overall plot. Is, is treated that way throughout. And the problem I have with these two films at the moment is that there's a lot in The Last Jedi which just scuppers what's in The Force Awakens. And that, to me, is not cohesive storytelling. And, and like, even, I, th- I think... And I find it really... Sorry, I find it really hard to believe that Disney wouldn't have been, like, we need X, Y, Z, and you can, like, you know, jumble them together in whatever way, but it must come out as X, Y, Z. Because otherwise, I don't see the point of making a trilogy I, instead of three standalone I, I was movies. very surprised at that Do you as know well. what I mean? I, like, uh, my... When, issue with The Last Jedi was more that like it feels like it was going in directions that were like provocative and bold and striking and like daring and then it pulls back at every possible opportunity like every big reveal or big development that it makes that might scupper its relationship to The Force Awakens is then pulled back dramatically at the last possible minute well it's it's in 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 movies it's often like it's not just that a trilogy can't yeah. have continuity. It's that the movie itself can't <laughs> yeah. have continuity. Yeah. So, like, they, 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 and and I suppose that, that, that's maybe, like, a problem with um, Rogue One is, is, is that it doesn't, like, fully yeah. kind of... You, you have, like, two acts, which are really great, gritty, yeah. dark stuff. And then yeah. you have, like, obligatory Star Wars stuff yeah. Um, yeah. at the very end. Although I did like the... Well, the, the Vader stuff I know you liked, and I know, I think Grace, you liked it. Well. Oh, that's like the one that, of, yeah, like... The very last scene with yeah. Vader. That to me was almost would have been enough in and of itself. I think we <laughs> talked about that before where you're like, Darth Vader never felt particularly threatening to me in the original trilogy, but that one scene in Rogue One is enough to make it make to you understand why people are so afraid of him. And the hilarious thing is that people now really have to creepy. explain why he wasn't very good in, in the new home. <laughs> <laughs> why he couldn't swing the sword uh, yeah. but you know it's, it's it's like that thing in, in Game of Thrones to go wildly off topic where there's this 
you know how in the for those of you who have seen the first season of Game of Thrones, there's a lot of made about what's his face, Jason Momoa's character, Cal Drogo, yes, and how he's meant to be this big terrifying creature that everyone's afraid of. And Jason Momoa quite rightly pointed out that's like at no point do we actually like originally the way he was written, yeah. at no point do you see why everyone is so like terrified of him. So they include that one scene where he like rips that guy's tongue out. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, context. <laughs> I get it, yeah. you know? And that's why, like, I, I mean, I'm not saying that Darth Vader wasn't an effective villain in the original trilogy, but I don't feel like there's enough in it to make him seem as scary as he, or to make him as terrifying as other people see him. But that's why, to get back to Rogue One, that's why I like that scene in Rogue One, because all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, like you, you can see now why he scares the crap out of people. Mm. Like, I, I, <laughs> I quite like the bit with Ben Mendelsohn where you've got that, oh, you're You'll tell the emperor, right? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, this is this is too creepy. I can't force joke you anymore. You're kind of into it. I can understand that, and I feel like I feel like that's one of my big issues with the modern blockbuster slate is that a lot of it feels pre-programmed and pre-written and stuff like say the Marvel movies, for example. We talked about yeah. this before, where it feels almost more like a TV show that releases yeah. one big budget episode every six months as opposed to an actual film. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, I'm saying this, I love Thor Ragnarok because it felt like an actual Watiti film. It was like a really mm-hmm. striking and really unique yeah. and really bold. But I look at stuff like, say, Civil War or Winter Soldier, and I'm pretty sure like going into it like the Infinity War, where it will all look very bland, very familiar, and it will be that it was written more by a committee of like executive types, story managers and creative consultants, rather than like giving these characters to an individual writer and director and saying do what thou wilt and that shall yeah. be the extent of the well, franchise i, I like, think don't... like in captain america's case though like civil war and winter soldier had the two biggest impacts on the rest of the storytelling universe like the other marvel like standalone movies a lot of them are able to stand on their own two feet as it were um without having a massive amount to do with the rest of the universe but winter soldier in particular had that one reveal which like upends everything else that's been happening so like you know i don't think it's necessarily that representative of the other movies because there's if you look at the three iron man movies for instance like stuff happens in them a lot of stuff happens in them but they don't always have a really lasting huge impact on the rest of the mcu Mm. so yeah i'm I'm not too concerned about that for infinity war i think they're they're trying to make a a serial and in this trilogy it was um it it was meant to be a trilogy so yeah. they're 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 not trying to make three standalone movies in in the Star Wars universe. They they've they've established um, and um, accepted that that oh. that, that is sim- similarly to how how the MCU have committed to 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 that being, being what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. it, so it is it it is a serial and yeah yeah because I mean you can you can take stuff say that's been set up as important in the previous film in a in a trilogy for example and you can get rid of it for want of a better word but you still have to treat it with some degree of of weight like you can't just ignore it or radically reduce it if it's been coded as important because otherwise it's not a sequel to my mind you know you're just making another standalone film if it's a sequel you're supposed to directly deal with stuff with stuff that happened in the previous film or it's not a sequel it's just another Mm. installment as it were yeah you know like can can you imagine say something like for example civil war not dealing with what happened in the winter soldier or acting like you know like say they never mentioned bucky at all in it but bucky was a huge part of the winter soldier do you know what i mean 
like or radically reducing his role so that but, he wasn't important at all. It's but like, I mean, like take for example the the two not the Nolan films, but take for example the two Burton Batmans, mm-hmm. where you have like um, you have Batman and Batman Returns, and like Batman Returns completely drops the character of Vicky Vale with a single reference mm-hmm. uh, to her. And I, I would. But was argue... that set up as a preconceived? Like, no, did, they, no. did they always intend to make a sequel? That, that's oh, my they point. Always, they always would like, have intended to make a sequel. But, but if, if you're setting something up as... And, okay. and this is what Disney did. They specifically said, we're making a trilogy. Yeah. We're not making three. Because they are making three standalone Star Wars movies. But and they, they're they making another trilogy with Ryan Johnson as well, actually. Ugh, you can um, which is grand. Like, that, that I'm actually relatively on <laughs> board with. Because that's one person doing three films. That's <laughs> their own kit and caboodle. And you imagine that he will basically be, okay, my three films are going to be dealing with Well, I with hope he thing. gets an editor. They, 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 they should, they should just, um, and, and another solution to their problem would be they, 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 they could make movies more like VCRs where like after, after downloading it, after a while, you'll have to buy it again because <laughs> it's just going to kind of like degrade. Over um, time. Yeah. We're going to put a virus in there somewhere and yeah, yeah. That way we don't have to kind of shoehorn all these movies into a trilogy to get to, to spend to your harder money. More It'll be more like more. a razor. You'll, yeah. If, if you want your Star Wars, if you come back. I think we've talked a little bit about Rey and Kylo's fight in the forest, which to me was a really, really important moment. Just it's in terms also of, a great scene, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's a fantastic scene just from from a visual perspective, but from a storytelling perspective, I think it's amazing. Like it's it's a culmination of what you've been building up through the whole movie, and the fact that it works so well, I think, is a sign of how satisfying all of the setup and execution has been. Because yeah. it feels like the only possible outcome for that. It doesn't feel like it could have gone any other way. It's actually it's mm. a really good lightsaber fight as well, I have to say. Yeah. And actually, to be fair, I think I, I read somewhere before that they they had shot it a bit more impersonally originally that it was a lot of kind of like distant shots and and so on presumably to get the stunt doubles or whatever but um that they reshot loads of it so that they could get close-ups in to make it feel more personal and intimate and and ava duvernay had given abrams a suggestion as well that that ray should have that moment where she feels the force the zen moment where you go awkwardly silent in the middle of a lightsaber yeah which has to be really uncomfortable for the other person yeah plus also that that does feel a bit weird because you're kind of like why wouldn't kylo be like Mm, she's distracted. Maybe stab or push. <laughs> Time to stab yeah, or maybe, push. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've, established, we've established he's also distracted. Yeah, because he, he's punching himself he's repeatedly like, in his open wound. Did I really yeah. just kill my dad? Yeah. Um, I'm not horny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't... I, I like Andrew's... Andrew's subtext reading has somehow become the text of the film as far as Andrew's concerned. He just um, needs to be hugged more yeah. often. I'm sorry. Hugged. Is that a you... I feel like... Yeah, Andrew has a different suggestion for what Kylo needs, I think. No, no, no. It wouldn't hurt him. (laughs) I don't think it would do him any harm. (laughs) Maybe a bit of calm afterwards. Um, But yeah. Or crying. Crying. Never mind, move on. on. (laughs) (laughs) A shameful crying. It would be like like this moment of clarity through the the utter failure of his life into stark relief. (laughs) Rolling over in the bed and finding Darth Vader's burnt mask staring at him. What did I do? The lady in question asking, is there a camera in there? That feels kind of like a weird I'm, I'm just, I, So Snoke? I'm just going to leave. Yeah. Snoke, can we talk? This is Snoke's secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Snoke's not here right now. Yeah. Uh, is there anything actually about Snoke as well? Because Snoke is just a generic character here. I wonder um, if... Um... Is he two foot tall? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually to scale. Yeah. Yeah. And, He's and just it, been blown up, like yeah. projected. Because um, actually, yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, it feels like one of the things about Snoke is he's just there because you need an emperor character. 
He's just there because you need, like, a Palpatine for the new trilogy. And, like, I wonder how much of, like, the fan reaction and speculation to The Last Jedi, and sorry, not to The Last Jedi, but to The Force Awakens, is down to the fact that, like, changes in waves fans talk about movies, down to the internet, say, for example, right? So, mm-hmm. And because, like, it's an Abrams film, right? So everybody watching an Abrams film has assumptions about, like, mystery boxes and stuff like that. And they think that things are riddles to be solved. And the way that we think about movies now is we don't think of them as stories being told. Well, we do. But we think of them also as puzzles that we wrestle against and try and solve. Like, this is something that, for example, uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy struggled with on Westworld, where they're doing a TV series. And what would happen is the entire processing power of the internet would solve the mystery within two seconds of the second episode. Yeah. And, like, when you're watching The, the Force Awakens... And a lot of discourse around The Force Awakens involves like people going, asking questions like, uh, who is Snoke? Where does Snoke come from? Is Snoke secretly Darth Plagueis? Is he secretly uh, the Emperor Palpatine revived? Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Is Rey secretly Kylo's sister or cousin? Is he, was she conceived of the Force? This sort of stuff that you... I, yeah. I, I wonder if that's something new, because I, I reckon when you had seen the original, like, could anybody in 1977 have come out of the first Star Wars and predicted that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Because, like, would that... Yeah, you'd love to see how that reveal went down, like, Mm. like, at the time. That was, again, Simpsons reference. Yeah. (laughs) Homer and Marge walking out of the cinema, yeah. But you just sort of wonder if, like, you were going to see the, like, the the return... Not the return, the Empire Strikes Back in, like, 1981, and you're sitting in a cinema, and there's a big mom, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. No, You told me enough. Yeah. (laughs) But, and and then there's somebody in the back of the going, Knew it! Nailed it! Um, it, was, it was kind of like the... the oh my the, god. Yeah, it's like, called it. Um, it, was, it was you guys like, on the on the <laughs> message board aren't going to believe this, and it's an actual message board because it's 1981. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, um, I, I suppose it, it was, it was, it was one, one of the first kind of examples I can think of of this kind of military uh, movie secrecy. Yes. Where, where it's, what was it, um, Blue Moon or... Blue, Blue, Harvest. Blue, Harvest. Blue Harvest, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also been that about the sequel trilogies as well. Like, but and like the la- the force of we talked about this with Abrams, like hiding the fact that Finn was a stormtrooper and stuff like that. Mm. But even but, but they kind of didn't because he's in the first trailer, like the very first wearing, teaser he trailer. He's, he's, he's yeah. wearing a stormtrooper, oh, okay. and you can see like enough of his shoulders to know that he's wearing a stormtrooper oh, okay. uniform. Although to be fair, you you mightn't immediately think of him as a stormtrooper. You, you might yeah, think you might think he's, he's doing like a Luke or, thing. You, you, yeah, exactly. you, you would assume that because because he doesn't. Look like a kiwi. That 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 yeah, he, he, he he must be um, dressed up as a as a stormtrooper. Lots of angry Star Wars fans about that, but we won't get into the politics of that for yeah. the moment. I do find the level of speculation over Snoke really interesting, though, because I don't feel like Snoke was again. This could be just my interpretation, but I don't feel like he was ever coded as specifically important. that important. Yeah, yeah, like the focus was always on Kylo Ren. Yeah. So, like, Sno- like Snoke was clearly an influence on Kylo Ren, but the the great weight of storytelling fell on Ren himself. Well, like, this well, is the thing when he say, was in the flashbacks and he was in Ray's vision and, you know, all of that. Because well, I, I was I, thinking, like, with say say Empire and say Return of the Jedi. Go back mm-hmm. to the original trilogy, right? The Emperor appears in a single scene of Empire as a hologram talking to Vader and giving yeah. him instruction. I wonder, like, was there that sort of rampant speculation about who the Emperor was and how he came to be? I don't think so. I, I wouldn't expect there to have been. Because even if there was, by that logic, then, say, Return of the Jedi would have been a massive disappointment. Because you don't really find out what his deal is. He's just 
the emperor yeah. and he's like cackling. But you got your answer in the prequels. <laughs> yeah. All seven when good or eight hours. Go yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. There's, there's a big photo of Palpatine up there. This um, is what 2017 has done to me. <laughs> no, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, the the um, it 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 made me think of um of uh, re- 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 Revenge of the Sith. When um, Palpatine just cuts through all of those actual Jedi, <laughs> um, but but a, a regular guy. No, sorry, I'm going go, going back to the, yeah. This is, this is, I like that Andrew is the least Star Wars fan in the podcast. But he's the one who's like, yeah, I'm, but the laws of Star Wars dictate. Yeah, I'm still clinging on to logic, but I, I'm like I'm slowly letting go. All right. Well, with with that in mind, then I think that's unless there's anything else anybody else really wants to talk about. It's another two and a half hours. <laughs> I'm actually kind of now I'm at the stage where I'm actually kind of raging a little bit that we can't actually talk about the last Jedi. So we can be like, here's all of our chats in the Force Awakens, and now Rose <laughs> sleeve. <laughs> let's get <laughs> angry. Yeah, let's get the listeners. We'll this only is make that exception for truly great movies like Batman, Superman. <laughs> Yeah, that, that masterpiece of modern storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Dear listeners, the past two and a half hours have just been warm up for the conversation. Wait <laughs> right till you hear about Andrew's Power Rangers series. Yeah. <laughs> have um, you heard of Ivan Ooze? Well, you never know. There is a possibility that The Last Jedi may be rehabilitated or anything like that. It may come into the list. At I, I am of... genuinely intrigued, though, when, when, for want of a better word, when the dust settles a little bit, say in a few months, what... The consensus will be. Yeah, what the... What the, the ordinary measured respectful consensus will be as opposed to the people trying to burn each other alive what's fascinating which i can't really talk i mean you know i I have also been incensed over the past few days over the last jedi so i am also an angry fan but not an angry fan boy and i resent that they're claiming that everyone who hates it is a fanboy because we're not some of us are fangirls yeah um darren being typical darren the man with coke and pepsi in his fridge is sitting perfectly on the fence on this point in that like and it's interesting that you have the debate because you have it's the polar opposite of the debate you have with say justice league yeah um or with uh batman superman where you have basically darren just for the listeners is moving his hands to the left and right almost like a scale balancing the scale gesture between we all have tickets to the gun show Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the blaster show, I think you mean, but uh, no, so the, the, the issue with now Darren is gesticulating because you've made him self-conscious, Andrew, oh, thank sorry, you very master much. blaster. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Good. I feel, I feel like good. I threw that back there, that's yeah, perfectly okay. Yeah, uh, Grace is slowly, slowly <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's like you packing have, up her bag and yeah. With The Last Jedi you have that intro, you have basically the reversal of the position that you had on, on Batman versus Superman, where you have this position of critics loathing Batman Superman. And audiences and fans, or hardcore fans, really liking it with intense stares on their faces. Whereas with The Last Jedi, you have this bizarre position where most critics, um, myself not necessarily included because I am on the fence, which is where I belong apparently, um, and most loving it, and most fans hating it, yeah, absolutely hating it. And you have this sort of interesting sort of tension and dichotomy between the two extremes. Mm -hmm. And like, you're right when you say I'm curious where the dust is going to settle on this. Yeah. Because, I mean, it does seem like... But I, I think the issue as well is that, like, you know, for I've, I've read some of the, the good reviews and not all of them are great in the sense that, like, there is that sense, kind of like what we saw a little bit with Blade Runner 2049, where it's there's this surface, like, almost condescending implication that if you don't like it, you're too stupid 
to appreciate what it's going for. No, I, I have mm. seen this from people. Okay. They're being like, you know, oh, it's just more elegant than they expected or it's so thoughtful and so full of big ideas. And it's like, well, not necessarily. Like maybe you see big ideas in it and that's great. But if somebody doesn't like it, that doesn't automatically mean that there's this huge like depth of intellect to it that they're just too stupid to get. Because I saw that a lot with Blade Runner 2049, which was perfectly fine. Like I didn't hate it or anything, but I don't think it was the cerebral masterpiece that a lot of people made it out to be and I mm. think there was that attitude towards it that because it didn't do well, this very well stupid, the box office, you don't get it yeah, yeah they were like people like are too stupid it. to get it but I'm seeing a similar tone to some critics where they're claiming that people hate The Last Jedi because it does something that they can't understand and I'm like it's okay to say that oh, it's actually just not yeah <laughs> yeah but I mean like if you leave aside the fanboy critique which is yeah. not really a critique they just don't like women or black people or whatever um like it's I, I just think it's unfair is the way some people are holding it out to be some kind of masterpiece that other people can't understand um because it's like if you don't like it it's okay not to like it and it doesn't mean that the film is beyond your read like it's not like Ulysses or something where like you have to be like you know a literary scholar to really appreciate it or something do you know what I mean like and that annoys me now I want to see Joyce's Star Wars where yeah. Luke spends but, but a good time that's also what like I mean Finnegan's about the, yeah. the consensus like when critics feel less defensive about even their good takes I would like to see what emerges when we've all gotten over that alright well I mean I, I, I actually have to admit one of the great things about The Last Jedi and Again, I'm on the fence. I think it has some good ideas. I think it doesn't commit to them. I think it's also got some horrible plotting issues. I think it's it's. I not... was joking when we said go for another two and a half hours. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, go on. But one of the things that I like about The Last Jedi is it's actually sort of sparked a lot of discussion and debate. And a lot of like, I'm normally not a big fan of like clickbait or think pieces mm-hmm. or hot takes or whatever. But like over the past weekend, I've seen some genuinely fascinating stuff written about like The Last Jedi and what it is and what it isn't and what it tries to do and, and how it tries to do it and stuff. Like, I mean, like that cat person refer- article, which is, is a bit ridiculous. It's patently on the nose, but it feels... And that Power Rangers stuff. That Andrew was suggesting. I mean, you, you should write this. Yeah, you should, I should go. That's why a book Star Wars that, reminds me of Power Rangers. That's a watch book them book. really lose it. That's a yeah, book why, why this is Power Rangers and why this is not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. By Andrew, a two-volume yeah. dissertation. Yeah. Not desertion. That's what happens to Finn. Sorry, apologies. All right, well, with that in mind, then, we'll sort of wrap up here. Um, if The Last Jedi comes in, we will talk about it and we'll hopefully have Grace back. Um, if it doesn't, well, such is life. But... Uh, <laughs> In the meantime, Grace, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Pixie Grace, but I have muted The Last Jedi, so don't yell at me over it for 30 days. Thank you. Oh, 30 days? days. <laughs> yeah, I've muted it until next month when hopefully everyone's can, calmed down. Can you pre- oh, okay, sorry. Because so everyone's like, annoyed me I, so I much. thought you'd really like committed to the no spoilers thing. It's like, okay, I think I'm going to see it on release day, but if I don't, I want to build in like a cushion of 30 days. Oh, no, I, I had the I had the, the all the keywords, like a gazillion different keywords around it muted for a week beforehand. But um, they obviously became unmuted on Thursday because I would have seen it the night before. And then I was able to endure the flaming that was going on for three days and this morning I was like I actually can't handle this anymore I can't handle people hating it for what I think are the wrong reasons and I can't handle people telling me that I'm a terrible person if I don't love it so Twitter so, people if you have so they've been muted about The Last Jedi and but we can talk Grace, about The Force Awakens call it The Late Jedi that'll get through the filter right yes and now she's muted that as well <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Now or just I, call it that movie. That movie. Now I, now I know. <laughs> you know the one we're talking about. Now I know what TLJ 
Sponsor, <laughs> by yeah. the way. I, 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 I don't know how I didn't figure that out. I was just like... <laughs> you look such a don't blissful... Don't you mean dead blissful. Justice League? <laughs> <laughs> that should be TJ. It's the laughing joke. The other Mark Hamill production that people like. Do you mean the Wall Street Journal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stupid Wall Street Journal's ruining it by putting minorities in my franchise. Yeah. Um, how dare are, they? All right, so Andrew, you have not muted The Last Jedi, though. I have not muted The Last Jedi, so um, blame me for... Actually, it wasn't Rogue One of a popular episode last it year. It was indeed. So presumably by that logic, this this will also be a popular episode. So we might have people listening to this episode. Yes. And yeah, you can tweet at me. <laughs> Individually. I, I might even read them. Uh, A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A. Because... The, the um generally generally like uh, yeah I, I i i get what darren tweets and, 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 and um but now now I'd, I'd 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 like to see like what what the internet like to be my say. own person what kind of things the internet says oh, that's hilarious and you log on to your twitter account and it's like that that meme from community where he walks in and everything's on fire and like, yeah the internet has opinions I kind of envy andrew's sort of sheltered internet experience yeah i know yeah i remember when when, when... Like, i feel like I, i'm not the best twitter like, experience i'm not into this happen. conversation yeah, i'm not the least. best twitter experience you can have but i'm also i hope not the worst when darren and grace were talking about the reaction to um, oh, yes. to uh, the last Jedi. I was on Twitter and I was like, I'm not seeing anything. I even looked at the the hashtag, uh, the, the hashtag but I think it was still well, giving giving. Yeah, I think yeah, I, th- I think it was like Will Wheaton and Mark um, yeah, Mark Hamill, and I guess there was like a bias towards there was the 250, and I was like, wow, that was like the fifth thing that came up, but that's probably because. <laughs> No, we're just, we're just that big a deal. I, I think so. Yeah, it was Liberal like bubble. <laughs> it was somewhere between Will Wheaton and Mark Hamill. Yeah, above Mark Hamill, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, don't worry. We, we Imagine don't... being bigger than Mark Hamill. <laughs> I think Harrison Ford can. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that was mean. I that like that was Hamill. mean. I like Mark. Hamill. Even Carrie Fisher could probably say <laughs> that too. Yeah. God rest. Yeah. You can also He's two big things. Yeah. Who's he, he, Batman? Well, Joker. Joker. Yeah, and I, I realise he didn't uh, and don't play forget Batman. the trickster in The Flash. Both the live action and, well, both live action versions. The 90s one as well. You say, hold on, the Joker, as if Batman was a character in the Joker <laughs> comic book. I feel like some would argue he is. Yeah, have you seen in Dark Knight? <laughs> <laughs> There's no question whose movie that is, Andrew. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, you can follow me at Darren underscore Mooney. You can follow the 250 at the 250. You can find us online. You can listen to us on Stitcher, on iTunes. We're also now available on SoundCloud. In fact, this will be the first episode launching via our SoundCloud page, so you can do stuff like leave comments there, uh, you can forward on, you can send uh, the link directly to people, um, and hopefully bypass any filters they've set up for the 250. So please feel free to do that. Um, also, if you are listening to the podcast and enjoy it, uh, please feel free to rate it on your podcast as a choice, just because that helps kind of draw listeners and attention to the podcast. Thank you very much, Grace, for coming in. Thank you for having me. You are me. a master in arts now. Yes, You are I a am. Jedi master. I am distinguished, which obviously gives all of my opinions like so much yeah. more weight. So, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that me, was a joke, by the way. I'm not like picking myself up. Well, we'll we'll big you up then instead. But yes. Yeah. But it is going to make me very nerdy and insufferable when it comes to screenwriting, just because that's that's you know what I did my final massive project in. So and I have a lot of thoughts and got the distinction. Yeah, yeah, which is so. great. 
All right, so with that in mind, then, we will see you guys next week, and we'll hopefully be doing it. still a bachelor. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> in the Kylo Ren sense. <laughs>